0: Tune in to The Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM.
1: Binding you, there is a story that makes the star this morning. It says eight out of ten people in Ireland say January is the month they need most to get a boost in their mood, and obviously that would make sense after everything to do with Christmas. You go up, and then you plateau, and then you dot, you drive, you dive in January. But um, you know, we probably don't need surveys to tell us about that. And then they tell us all the things that we, we'll, you know, we miss the most in January. A lot of it's to do with daylight or sunshine. Well, we can thank that we be thankful we're going to get sunshine this week, um, and then of course issues involving um, the C word. There's a very funny story actually up the country this morning one of the papers where a pub has actually uh, put in what used to be the equivalent to the old-fashioned curse jar, you know. Uh, and the pub now is charging people, fining people, two euro for every time they use the c word as in the covid word um i think they're giving all of the money ultimately then to um a, a donegal a uh, hospice charity it's making the papers this morning it's a lovely story it's one of the only stories to do with covid actually that will brighten your mood because uh, oh the only upside is me martin has said that there's going to be no mandatory covid jabs you know nobody's going to be pulled dragging and screaming into a uh, into a doctor's surgery or into a vaccination centre. So that's a front page of making uh, the examiner this morning. While the Pope rose in on it as well, saying that it is a moral duty of everybody, according to the front of the mail today, it is a moral duty of everybody uh, to get vaccinated. And he denounces people who've been swayed by baseless information, as he says. Mind you, there are countries across Europe that um, are either thinking or have done already mandatory vaccines. And a lot of it has to do with healthcare workers. For others, it's, you know, mandatory for particular age groups, like Austria uh, for the over 60s, I think, and Greece as well for the 60s and the Italians for the 50 pluses. And then France, Germany, Hungary, and even the UK uh, will be making mandatory vaccination for health and social care workers from April apparently. Meanwhile on Lisa there are no ICU beds free in Cork hospitals now and that's a front page are making the echo today and it is hammering retail staff as it spreads so quickly. With the examiner today talking about major disruptions across much of retail uh, last week and more so again this week and probably the next week or two. So large grocery stores um, you know small shop owners retails uh, in general anything to do with the fashion outlets hair salons, hospitality, areas like that. But the daftness of the 8 o'clock pub closure, of course, um, continues uh, to roll on. And the Taoiseach says, it will be ditched, but not just yet. So 8 o'clock stays in place. Uh, I don't know what kind of logic they have that it would make a difference between, say, 8 o'clock or, or 10 o'clock, but it is what it is, and they're sticking to their guns on that one. But pa- I see in the papers this morning that in the Echo, Paul Montgomery, who's got uh, who's one of the owners, co-owners of uh, of Clancy, says batten down the hatches uh, because uh, he's saying that their business alone is up to 80% Decimated by the eight o'clock closing, and the Cork City pubs are at their lowest ebb ever. And of course, the only pub really that's doing anything positive is the Donegal pub with the two-euro COVID curse jar. Uh, But the cash is rolling in in other aspects of the world we live in, particularly for the very wealthy, because The Sun are reporting today that sales of Rolls-Royce motor cars have achieved record levels uh, during lockdown. Apparently, there are sections of society who have accumulated vast quantities of dosh and they're spending it. On Rolls Royces and Porsches and Ferraris, Lamborghinis, Aston Martins, you name it. Meanwhile, what is it with Boris Johnson that he seems to survive? Is he Teflon or what? I thought that was Bertie O'Hearn. But we have another Teflon-type Taoiseach in the UK who goes from calamity and crisis to crisis in his own life and his political life. And he seems to survive them all. Apparently, he was at a party Number 10, they're raging over this in the UK, and it makes the front of their newspapers this morning. Uh, uh, They had this lovely weather party... For everybody, 100 people were invited by email, 40 showed up the other 60 probably had more sense it was a bring your own booze party last summer when people in England themselves could only meet one other person outside and large gatherings were absolutely banned but yet they were quaffing whatever it is, champers and prosecco and wine, I don't know, cider with the beer drinkers and number 10, I don't know, but there they were and apparently its alleged witnesses said that Boris Johnson was in the middle of it with his wife Carrie and he will do not answer questions as to if he was there or not. Now, the Met are taking an interest in it. So you have all that going on, and you have the chaos over um, Novak Djokovic. He probably will, at this stage, play um, the Australian Open next Monday. But it still hasn't been cleared up as to why... They haven't clarified the issue about him being, uh, you know, testing positive for COVID in December, and testing positive twice in the last year, year and a half, and whether or not that was the reason why he originally got medical exemption. So there's still no questions really answered as to how they got to that situation. Uh, But his dad really hasn't helped the scenario uh, with the press conference yesterday and and stuff like that. Uh, But the papers also talk of other things that aren't COVID related and one of them is uh, changes in the workplace for public sector workers. So it would appear, according to the Independent Today, that over 150,000 public servants will work two hours fewer every single week. That they will go from a 39-hour week some of them to a 37-hour week and some to a 37-and-a-half-hour week. There are countries in Europe now where people are working 35-hour weeks. Uh, so I suppose the idea is to get everybody uh, to work less and have a better work-life balance um, but it's starting with the public sector who um, get to go to work or whatever their deal was between working from home and going to work uh, a little bit less going forward. Anybody watch the um, the HBO documentary? It may have been on Netflix I'm not 100% sure it's called The Jinx Anybody see that? Hands up anyone around here even that's even seen it? The life and deaths of Robert Durst he died yesterday of natural causes it was one of the most incredible documentaries this guy was um, a multi in air in his day. Um, I don't want to spoil it for you because if you haven't seen the jinx, you should watch it. Sit down and watch it. Died of natural causes yesterday in prison in California. He was serving a life sentence. Now his wife, apparently he killed his wife, right? She went missing in the 80s and she was legally declared dead decades later. My understanding of it was that everything was going fine for Robert Durst until a friend of his, female friend of his, Copped the fact that he had killed his wife, a girl called Susan Berman. So he shot her at point blank range. He got away with it. But then he ended up going on the run because police took a huge interest in the guy. And he was going around dressed up as a woman for a long, long time. So he was a fugitive from justice. Eventually tracked down. They did the documentary of him. He was all mic'd up. He went into the bathroom for a bathroom break while the cameras were still rolling and the sound was still on. And he made an incredible confession in the loo that was picked up on camera and recorded. And it ended up then with him going to prison. I hope I'm giving too much of it away. It's a fabulous documentary called The Jinx. He died yesterday at the age of of 78. A couple of light-hearted stories then for you. Yesterday I was telling you about things people forget and leave behind. There's a survey this morning talking about the stuff that people leave behind in the back seat of a taxi. It's kind of what you'd expect, to be honest. Apart from the fact that apparently people have forgotten their dogs. Probably the tiny little chihuahua type ones. Maybe the dog fell down between the seats. Or, you know, where, you know, usually where change would fall down the back of the seat. Maybe the dog fell down there. But also, hundreds of phones, um, hundreds of bags, wallets, Even shopping. I mean, some people put the shopping in the boot, don't they? And then perhaps just get out of the car, the taxi, and just go home. It's a survey. But a dog? Well, that's a new one on me. And two amazing stories that don't make the newspapers today because they're overnight stories. One is the story of a man who three days after a heart transplant is still alive. Now, you mightn't find anything peculiar about that. It's a story out of Baltimore and Maryland. But if I were to tell you that he was transplanted with a pig's heart, you might sit up and take a listen. This was a genetically modified pig's heart. It's a shortage of heart transplants around the world, particularly in America. So they're modifying pig's hearts and putting them into humans. And so far, so good for this guy, by all accounts. But a very upsetting story out of Mexico this morning that I saw online, where a teenage mother has now been arrested. I've seen the video footage. You may have seen it yourself online. She gave birth on the 7th of January. She panicked. She drove the baby which she had put in a black refuse sack to a dumpster, like a big bin, like we see with the recycling bins at supermarkets, shopping centers and stuff. And they say that she disposed of the baby. She actually threw the baby over the top of it down into the bin and drove off. Apparently, some misfortunes in Mexico who were scavenging for food came along, were scavenging through the dumpster discovered the newborn baby and called the authorities and the baby's been taken to hospital she's been arrested apparently and you can see uh, the video footage because she was caught because of her car registration you can see her throwing the baby in the black refuse sack into the dumpster and driving off baby found six hours later and that's the story that's unfolding this morning overnight out of Mexico. Uh, lines open, 0818 The Neil Prenderville Show. OMG. Sheila, that is the most beautiful motorbike bike. It is gorgeous. What kind of a bike is that?
2: It's a Honda Pan-European.
1: Gorgeous. What is it, like 1,000 cc's, 11 1,200, something?
2: 1,100, 1,100.
1: It must be his pride and joy, your dad. Yeah,
2: that's my
1: husband's. Sorry, your husband's bike. And, and tell yeah. me this, it's gone. He woke up this morning, he was gone
2: he was going to work this morning at 10 to 6 uh, my, my husband and my son uh, they're going on to striker and actually he came up to say because the bike is gone the bike was gone from the front of the house it's a big now my bike. other son's bike is next to it, bike
1: next to it. You're, sorry you're, you in broke ninja, up on me there your son's bike sorry. is next to it what has he got is it's he a big bike as well
2: a ninja 600 so they left that there and we have two cars parked in the drive so they went down onto the grass and they, we just got a video there from a nearby I sent it on to you. Yeah. They, they seem to have started the bike. I don't know how they started the bike. Because there's an, an immobiliser in it.
1: It's an immobiliser no. and probably electric start. You wouldn't kickstart that beast, you wouldn't? No, no,
2: no, no, no. no, no. Um, so it, it, the, on the video, it seems to be 20 past two, they took it. Now, there seem to be two of them there, because one of them was saying, there's no leg rest. And you can hear their voices, and they drove off on the bike. No helmets.
0: Good God.
2: So somebody... Where? Had... Where,
0: where, where are you
1: living? Where was it taken from?
2: I'm in Carrigan Aram, Ballincolic.
1: Okay, now is the that, that a housing is... estate area?
2: Yeah. Now I'm here 27 years. My husband's driving bikes since he's 16. So never was the bike taken. And we're here 27 years in this state.
1: So you only yeah. discovered when you came down this morning that the bike was Ten gone. Minutes. Your neighbor had CCTV foot. I can't really see it. It's all, it's all crooked and sideways. Yeah. Can, you, can you just describe yeah. it again for me? You say that there was audio as well.
2: Yeah, you can hear people talking on it. They like It's a like country kind of a voice. And they're saying there's no footrest on it.
1: There is a footrest on it. Are they thick or what? Uh,
2: and then they drove off with no helmets. How does... No how they start started? You
1: can't push start I that or know. anything.
2: Yeah. I don't know. So sure. Sure, when the breakdown service comes for the bike, they have to. This it's very difficult to get even on because it's such a heavy bike.
1: You see, the thing about this bike is um, you'd notice it if people were out and about in yeah. it. You wouldn't. You'd, you wouldn't miss it. Like
2: at that hour of the morning when to, when they have no helmets.
1: Well, even now it's kind of a, is that sky blue with the big panniers on the side and everything. Yeah.
2: So there's all panniers on the side. So they got that down between two, between cars and all.
1: My God, and, and the I big back pannier on it.
2: Yeah.
1: I'd say he's driven that all over the place. That's for long distance driving, isn't it? For cruising.
2: Yeah, but he got it from Dublin during the lockdown.
1: Did he? Oh, he's only got it recently.
2: Well, this is the first lockdown, was it? Yeah, he, we drove up, I believe, it or not the first lockdown. I suppose, he has the big,
1: I suppose he has big plans to drive it across Europe or something.
2: Uh, I don't know. No, I don't know. It's just a comfortable bike because he's been driving a bike for years and he. Had an accident. And he broke his collarbone. Very comfortable. So he, so he had to sell that bike, and then he got this cruiser because it was more comfortable.
1: Yeah, that thing would drive it itself. Probably his cruise control and everything and it'd probably fit it. Probably fitted with radio, uh, CD. That I actually thought it was a Goldwing when I looked at it first. No, no. Uh, we got to find so, that. Have you been onto the guards?
2: I have, I have. I ran back again there, and I'm waiting for that to ring me back again. The guards came up. I don't know. They went away again.
1: Okay. Any idea what they would uh, what they would ultimately do with that? Um, warehouse it for a while and then try and sell it or what? What do you but, think? I don't know. What, what would
2: you think they'd do with it, Mark? The they'd sell it for parts, the boys were saying. Because they're, they're not going to drive that around because it's too big of a bike. not like the they robbed to race.
1: What's the, what's the reg on it? you know? Uh,
2: zero, zero, K-E one, three, four, three, seven, A hundred pan European.
1: It's a beautiful bike. Let's hope we can reunite it with the family because it's a gorgeous piece of kit. 00KE for Kildare, 13437. It is, would you describe that as sky blue? Sky blue,
2: Mark? Yeah.
1: Alright, okay. So from Ballancolic, round about 2am this morning, the Carrick yeah. estate in Ballancolic. Yeah. Keep your eyes peeled, guys, because this is this bright and joy and I'd love to see it reunited. They're brazen yeah. out now, you know, even in spite of CCTV footage. Make sure the guards see all of that footage.
2: I will. I rang them. Just tell them that they're supposed to ring me back. So...
1: Beautiful. Listen, well, listen, it's only a small little thing I'm doing for you, but hopefully it'll make a big difference. We're also Mm -hmm. sharing the photograph and all of the details on Twitter now, okay? Please. Thank you very, very much. All right, Sheila,
0: thanks for getting in touch. Bye. If you want to speak to Neil Prenderville in the new year, you'll need the new number 0818 104 106.
3: Please hang up and try again.
0: Cork's Red FM. And you can text... The Neil Prenderville Show. On Twitter, at NeilRedFM.
1: 086-810-4106. Let's stay with this for a while. Dan the man. Dan, good morning. Uh, good morning, Neil. How are you? Fair play to you, boy. Fast off the mark. What can you report for me this morning?
4: Well, it's just... We're in a very quiet cul-de-sac here, and it's just parked up. It's just left there. The wing bearer's broken on it. But... There doesn't seem to be any more damage
1: to it. Okay, so <laughs> you're describing um, the bike that's been stolen that Sheila just talked about. What? Can you see it there? What's the edge. It's
4: 00 KE13437. Sheila? Yeah, this is my action
1: weekend here. Sorry. No, I know. I'm just talking to see if Sheila's still there. Sheila, you there? Yeah. No, she ain't well. on one. Anyway, what,
4: what, where was it?
1: Just outside your driveway or what?
4: Yeah, pretty much, yeah, yeah. Co- It's a very small area. cul-de-sac So it was just parked up It's for it's kind of like a residence parking spot So it was just pretty much dumped there It's a Honda Pan-European It's blue uh, The wing mirror is broken off Alright, but I can see underneath the handlebars Where wires were cut and stuff, you know How did they do it? It's just the equivalent to the old-fashioned hot wiring, is it? That's what it looks like to me. It looks like somebody took a pliers now to this and just split the wires. Yeah, okay, the well,
1: you're on the other side of the city. It was stolen in Carriganara, Balancola. You're in Holly Hill. I am indeed, yeah. yeah. Wow, okay. What time did you just discover it at?
4: Well, it was my neighbour spotted it this morning and she said it to me and I just had the radio on there a while ago and I said, you know what, that could mm-hmm. be the bike.
1: Yeah, fair play to you. Sheila, can you hear me now?
2: Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah,
1: I found that. your bike. In fairness, Dan oh found your God. bike.
2: Oh My God! He was shot. my husband's up there this morning He drove up Holly Hill He drove all the place Where they're at the bikes You know where they, where they
4: were driving s- them And he kept Well, you see? We're in the back Of the Terence Max Sweeney school up here So if, unless you knew this place was here You'd never find it
2: Oh my God! you are very good
1: In fairness, so he, is. What's your husband's name Did you say Mark is it?
4: Michael Michael Okay
1: Yeah okay Alright Hello? Hello Michael Oh yeah. Dan came across your bike this morning up in Hollyhill Heights he says that the wing mirror is damaged uh, they probably uh, knocked that off but at least the bike is safe perfect perfect, perfect. So come, that must come as a relief to you oh total,
4: total relief yeah
1: because you were out and about driving this morning as well looking for it were you yeah we
4: were actually up that direction ourselves earlier
1: on ok well you can go and get it my man I don't know will it start I suppose you'll probably be able to start what did you say uh, Dan that the, the wiring's been ripped out is it
4: it's been, it looks like it's been snipped and uh, put back together.
1: Okay, so yes. what, what are they doing? Like, they just take it for a joyride in the middle of the night and then just dispose, abandon it?
4: Well, that's what it looks like anyway. Well, uh, look, to be fair no, they didn't quite abandon it. They have the kickstand down and everything, so it's up, on, it's up the way it's meant to be. Okay,
1: all right. All right, you must
4: be very relieved then, Michael. Yeah, totally, totally, totally total. Yeah.
1: Because it was locked, it was immobilised, it was alarmed and everything And that didn't stop him So delighted to be able to help in that regard Will you be able to go and get it and get sorted?
4: Yeah, I'm going to head up there now. Actually,
1: Alright, okay, alright And I, I imagine you wanna... you're delighted that Dan called it in, in fairness to him
4: Well, do you know yeah. what, now you can give him my number there as well In case he's having trouble trying to find the place, you know So th- th- there's no problem Like I said, it wasn't just me at all, my neighbour spotted it Is him. that Kira? is it? It is indeed, yeah, yeah. Kira, good morning how are you? Fair play. You came
1: across it this morning when you ventured out, was it? Yes,
2: yeah, quarter past eight this morning. I see
1: that. And you probably said what? In the name of God, is that doing there?
2: Yeah. All right. It's unusual, you,
1: you know. I know it is. You called the guards? Yeah, I rang
2: the guards this morning at quarter past eight and still waiting for them
1: to come. Yeah, would it make sense to wait and let him maybe get fingerprints off it or something? I wonder.
2: Oh, I, I don't
1: know. I'll make you. You can make that call yourself anyway, Michael. Yeah, yeah. Kira and Dan, have you sorted out, my friend? Delighted to be able to fix something so quickly. Happy motoring. Oh. With What's your plan with it? Are you going to do some um, some long distance driving on it?
4: Yeah, I, I normally use it every day for commuting uh, to and from uh, from work and that. You know.
1: Yeah, but you could go much further than that, couldn't you? You could take a ferry yeah, to France. Oh, yeah,
4: you, you can yeah, you can do that. Because
1: you yeah. can put all your luggage in all of those pannier bags, the side and back. What oh, totally Yeah, that's pannier boxes actually. That's what it's, made, made, for, like. that's what it's yeah. made for. All right, my man. Well, listen, it comes as a relief to you. Good luck to you and to Sheila, and thanks to Dan and to Kira for getting in touch and spotting it. All right, job done. Yeah,
4: thanks a million for that. No, Dan, my friend, give you his number there to pass on to me? Ah, down, easy,
1: yeah. done. We'll do that in the next 60 seconds. All right, take care. yourself, so right, Michael, thanks cheers. For cheers. Million, thanks take for care. It, right. Dan, Kira, thanks so much. You're very good. I'm putting you guys down for pizza on Friday, all right? Oh, happy days, nice one. Happy days uh, is right. Oak Fire oh. Pete's on the way. Fair play. Thanks, lads. All the best. No, worries. Well, Cheers, and well done to Kira as well. So that was easily sorted, quickly rectified. Awful shame, though, isn't it, that people have to put up with this kind of carry-on, you know, stuff that they like, stuff that they love, stuff that they work hard to, to buy and look after and cherish, and you get these uh, morons who come along in the middle of the night and just um, uh, throw a grenade into their lives. Uh, but at least that one got sorted and hopefully the repair work on it won't be too extensive. Now, right across the week, we've 150 euro vouchers to give away for Satori Clinic. So with the new year, it could be a new you. And they have a lot of different therapies at their clinic on um, the uh, on Langford Row on the south side. Uh, so you can pop in and maybe get some acupuncture or cupping or acupressure or things like that. So being a new year and a new you... This competition all has to do with songs or artists with newness associated with them. So either the song, uh, well, in this case, this morning, all of the songs have new in the title. But you got to identify artists and titles when I open the phone lines just before midday today.
0: Start spreading the news.
1: So I fall in love just a little, little, little bit. Don't worry about that. If you missed any of them, I'll give them a couple of spins between now and midday. Open the phone lines then. Artists and titles in the right order. Two winners this morning. Two. And you'll win a €150 euro voucher each for Satori Clinic. So good luck with that. For all of the business, text 0868 Yvonne, good morning.
5: Good morning, Neil. How are
1: you? I'm well, but more to the point, how the heck are you? You've had an awful couple of years of it. You know when you when you got COVID and got sick in October of 2020, right? Um, there was no vaccine then, so there wasn't.
5: No, there wasn't. So I actually got COVID uh, in October um, 2020, as you said. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, you know, initially I had what they call, uh, you know, mild symptoms. Um, to be honest, you know, I kind of thought myself at the time, I was a bit yeah. blase. maybe looking back, kind of thinking. Well,
1: you regarded I'll yourself decide. as very, you, you were saying you were very fit and healthy and busy and you were also in the choir and, you know, well able to walk yeah. and run and jog and stuff. Okay, I understand that, yeah, yeah.
5: Yeah, well i was i was uh, I, you know i'm a mama tree i work i, I work in a, a, um, a special school so yeah I, I you know and and like that i have I'm, I'm in a i'm in a little acoustic band as well so i was busy you know busy with with, with yeah. life and literally i, I we used to kind of Or as a family, we'd go walking, we'd go hiking, cycling, so initially I kind of thought, look, it'll knock me for a few days and I'll be back, you know, i would be fine, so, but um, yeah, initially like that it was fairly, um, I had headaches, uh, quite quite, quite bad headaches Mm. that um, after a few days then I think, you know, it was mild enough until day 10 and then you know, I just had more and more symptoms like, um, you know, shortness of breath, um, yeah. Dizziness. Think, yeah, know, yeah. Yeah. Dizziness. And then after a few weeks then I, th- I thought I was kind of getting better but I can remember the moment I stood up from the kitchen and I felt like, you know, that the ground was kind of moving under me, vertigo kind of symptoms okay. that just um, yeah. didn't go
1: away. Now you're not the and first person that I've it. spoken to with reactions like that, in fact they also mentioned brain fog and you're very cognitive of even my conversation now that you don't forget what it is you want to say, it can be that debilitating. Yeah, um, just... Yeah. yeah, so since, since And again, we're talking about October of 2020, which is 15 or 16 months ago, at least. It's never gone away. Just the symptoms have have just increasing, is it? Have increased.
5: So I suppose, you know, I actually did get back to work in April of uh, last year. And, you know, I I was doing a few days and... You know, by, I suppose, by before the summer break, I was struggling, you know, I was struggling, you know, even, you know, in uh, having conversations with my, my, my staff, with my colleagues, I would lose my way in conversations. I could be just talking about something and mid-sentence, I'd forget.
1: Um, and what do you say when I'm that so- happens? It must be embarrassing for you.
5: So, you know it was it was I suppose you, you would be embarrassed and I suppose that uh, you know you can mask it to a, a certain extent, but that wouldn 't have been kind of the major issue, I suppose what was starting to really kind of become debilitating was you know um palpitations that just they were getting worse um pa- you know when I, got, I initially when I was just got the stairs, I get palpitations, but now you know, they seem to come a lot during the day. Oh, so um, these palpitations and are
1: literally your heart beating out of control.
5: Yeah. And then, that. so I, I suppose I went back to work in September um, and by October I had been to another, I had been to a neurosurgeon, I had been to two consultants then and then finally I got to a cardiologist and he uh, diagnosed POTS. Pots so Central. what he thought... Um, so it's, yeah, um, and uh, I don't know if, I suppose I know your listeners probably wouldn't be familiar with, but what it is, is it, um, there's an abnormal increase in my heart when I go from lying down to standing, that it kind of makes my heart beat maybe yeah. 30 times faster than yeah. a normal heartbeat. So that's, and and you know, as part of POTS, you know, you it's the same brain fog, lightheadedness, um, dizziness, tightness in the chest, you know, and fatigue is kind of, that's the condition that I suppose I'm left with now um, as part of COVID, you know. Um, and then, so I was only just diagnosed with um, POTS and a week later, I was just uh, really unlucky that I got COVID again. Right. So that was where things got really kind of, scary um, because we didn't know whether you know the the symptoms that I was having were because of the you know the second time I'm having COVID or POTS so that's where I am now I'm out I I I haven't gone back to work since October um, and now I am trying to my best I suppose to get back to you know that base level again of even just being able to work you know
1: i know i know you really got a bad hammering of it you know the the second time round, were you vaccinated for that do you mind me asking
5: yeah, yeah yeah double vaccinated and i hadn't been just really now. um i hadn't been anywhere and look for one reason or other i had to, i had to go and uh, go out this particular night and came back and the next the next day i was i, I was told that i was a close contact and, um, and that was it. The monster, then. The, that yeah. was the beginning of the nightmare. And unfortunately, my sister was getting married uh, a few days, maybe ten days later. So I was lucky. And the fact that I made that yeah, but yeah. that got quite sick after the wedding actually and ended up in the hospital because yeah, yeah. I think between the stress of everything it just kind of uh, knocked me you
6: know okay well I, I was back. just
1: reading up on POTS because it is a it is an existing syndrome and condition anyway uh, and um, John Hopkins Medicine talks about POTS as giving uh, giving like POTS like symptoms if you test positive for long COVID, which is what you have, you know, and there's apparently there's no permanent cure. Um, Would there be a worry that heart damage might have been done?
5: Well, I'm actually, yeah, well, I have, last week now, I went to uh, the the cardiologist and they did a string of tests and thankfully, you know, it's looking like my heart is okay. But, uh, like, they did different tests and today I actually had a stress test, so, um, yeah, look, I'm, uh, everyone is te- you know like that. The, the tests are showing up normal, except that I have pots. But um, and
1: will unfortunately- will that will that sooner or later just go away? All of those, you know, mm-hmm. s- some people call them symptoms. They're a lot more than that. They're actual re- they're actual reality for you. Pain in the chest, brain fog, yeah. heart racing, palpitations, yeah. dizziness. Will it eventually just disappear?
5: You know, I've been asked that question so much and you know, I'm I, I, I ask, you know, every consultant which has been, you know, quite expensive to be seeing all these consultants and you know, but nobody knows, you know, and like I, I'm I'm doing my best. Like they're saying lifestyle, I'm doing it all. I I'm yeah. Yeah. Yes. I am um, my 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 diet is very healthy. I'm trying to you know at the start initially when I got COVID again, I had to just you know I stopped the band, I stopped work, uh, stopped everything, stopped even you know just trying to get myself right. I said I'll just give my body a I bit know. of you know just rest downtime. But I even but I think that was a mistake because then my body deconditioned and I could barely walk then after a while. So I I'm literally back now. Exercising and when I say exercising, just walking.
1: Is that the, so, is that as much uh, as you can do walking a bit?
5: I kind of have to manage because if I if I, I I can walk, but then you know I probably won't be able to. Um, I have to pick what I do in a day because yeah, you, you know to, other yeah. things will have to slide. I have to. Say, have to it's go. very hard to explain know, because know. you know, like people would say, oh, "Look, I'll meet you for lunch," and for that, I might say no because. I, if I if I have to be right for other things, you have you know, to conserve I energy. To
1: I understand. And how do you feel then when you hear that people say, me included, that Omicron is is much milder, that very soon we'll be teal- dealing with it like a flu or or a cold, and that it will pass, and it's it's a much weaker variant.
5: Um. Well, you know, first of all, I suppose if we, when I hear people saying it's cold, like it, it is, it can be. A, it's a bit upsetting in one way, but look, maybe it has got that. I mean, the, the, maybe it has got that way that it is milder. But it ha- has it been proven that you know, long long COVID uh, won't be? You know, what, what if long COVID is a result for some people that some are getting the? People, only it certainly seems
1: now. that way. Well, it certainly seems that way with the Delta because you're not the first I've spoken to. Actually, I'm starting to hear an awful lot of problems that people are having with the booster. I've got one or two very scary emails from people who were floored by the booster. Really. And yeah. truly, much more worse stories than I heard about the booster than some people who even caught COVID, you know. So that seems there seems yeah. to be a cohort of people who do get hurt, who do get hammered and do have terrible, terrible side effects of it. Seems to be a reality. Yeah. You know,
5: it is, you know, and, and I suppose that's the, you know. Is that, I mean, is that the way we're going now? Are we going to feel like and that's how we feel, I suppose, uh, you know, uh, I know I've spoken to other people that have long COVID and, you know, they feel the same that like, you know, is the government after forgetting about, you know, people that have long COVID, is there any services being kind of, you know, um, driven out? Because I, I have I don't think there's a there isn't a long COVID clinic in Cork. And you're telling me that all there.
1: of the treatments that you're doing regarding what we call long COVID and POTS, you have to pay for yourself.
5: Oh absolutely like, to, to have and I'm, I'm you, you know I do class myself very lucky I have private health insurance but even with that you know we have like the GP cost I've never gone to the GP so much I've never had to like I've seen three four different uh, consultants
6: God trying on.
5: to figure out what I have I finally found out that I you know this, this was POTS and then it was kind of it's not that it's a nothing diagnosis but it's a it's a I suppose it's It'll be up to me how, like with lifestyle and with a few different things that they suggest, but there's no cure for it. So oh, those, I have to manage myself. Yeah,
1: those, those cures that there's no cure, but the suggestions they're making, are they to do with diet, lifestyle, um, sleeping patterns, exercise, things like that?
5: Yeah, well, I suppose I do. I am on. A, um, I am on a, a tablet that lowers my heart rate. That would. That that's yeah, one okay. thing that uh, right. they've done. Uh, diet and is well up there. Um, I have to drink now two and a half litres of water a day. I can't really have carbohydrates because that'll ju- that sends my ta- Inflamed. palpitations Inflamed worse. The body, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and I'm I am on like that. Sleep sleep is is has been one of the major, I've never had a problem with sleep until I got COVID, and now. You know, my my day works around whether I got sleep last night. So I, you know, with the, I have pressure headaches, and I, I have I'm on another my the neuro, the my other consultant put me on a different tablet for pressure and pain and headaches, and that works, but it doesn't. It, it hasn't. Um, Eliminated it by any means, you know. And hopefully it, it does it some, sometimes in the month, it gets worse. So, yeah, hopefully,
1: I mean. in time, hopefully, in time, you will continue when you will start to improve dramatically. But, how, like, how are you feeling? Mm-hmm. Just finally, how are you feeling right now, this second?
5: Um, I suppose I'm feeling. You know, I'm feeling that, that, you know, I am hopeful that, you know, things things will improve because, I mean, before Christmas now, I felt, I, I was feeling very down about everything. I just thought, is it ever going to improve? Am I, is this it? Because, I mean, I love music. I want to get back to that. I love my job. I, I need to get back to that back. for my family. Yeah. So, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, that, that was doing me no good either. I have to be, I have to be my own advocate. I have to be. To be, be feel better myself, and for me that means have a bit of hope. You know, get, I, you know. I always had. I don't think I eat fairly. I ever ate fairly
1: badly, but fairly I bad because bad phys, because physically it's having its impact on you, but mentally and emotionally as well. You sound like a strong oh, person, absolutely. though. You know, so hopefully in time. I know that. I don't mean it to sound. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's bad, but like, and I don't mean to sound condescending, but hopefully time will make mm-hmm. a difference to you. You know.
5: Absolutely, absolutely. And you know I really, John, I think, you know, this is going to be my year and I'm just gonna this will be the year that I'll I, I'll just get as better as I can Try be and on, yeah,
1: fight on you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Listen, Yvonne, thanks so, for taking the time. It's not the easiest thing in the world considering okay. you're you're finding it tough, but I appreciate you taking the
0: call. Thank you.
5: Okay, thank you. Thank you for talking to us, lovely talking to you. You too, Yvonne.
1: Bye. Thank you, Neil. Bye.
0: Neil's got a new number. Call him now on 0818104106. Talking about their leaving search students
1: yesterday, I spoke to one student from uh, St. Angeles, a couple of, well, actually, they're not terribly complimentary responses following that. For God's sake, well, at one point we were talking about the cold and the classrooms and the drafts and stuff like that and having to stick to uniforms. For goodness sake, what are the kids made of these days? They're nothing but snowflakes. I went to St. Angeles 40 years ago in the old school and the windows rattled and we used to be perished with the cold, but we never complained. Suppose they moan if they have to go to school in a heatwave as well, I suppose. Really, I despair at this generation, says Mary O. Neil, you should ask the students, why do they don't go on strike like they did for climate change? Or else put up and shut up while the rest of us hardworking people pay all the carbon taxes. So no matter what way you look at this, of course, the leaving certificate is the issue. And we will be heading into the leaving certificate in about five months time, uh, five or six months time. And they're not quite sure whether it'll be the same as last year, whether you'll have the option to sit it. Um, be graded instead where the teachers grade it and then it's assessed or you can have a kind of a hybrid uh, of both so the confusion of that of course is what makes them very stressed and anxious because this is the third set of Leaving Search students really have been affected because of uh, this pandemic but Mick Barry the Solidarity TD is their caped crusader uh, and has been campaigning on their behalf for quite some time now he joins me by phone Mick good morning Happy New Year to you, Nick, And and you too. And, uh, and, you know, you've got a great gig, incidentally. You guys don't go back to work until the 19th of January. You get very long Christmas holidays, Mick.
7: Yeah, they're scandalously long. (laughs) Uh, Wednesday the 19th of January at uh, 2 Uh, (laughs) o'clock. Of course, that's the day that the doll reconvenes. I am, uh, just just to say to you, busy working away right now and working away this morning to try and help the Leaving Cert students. And okay.
1: you're suggesting that they should um, walk out of class, walk out of school?
7: No, I'm suggesting that they should have a discussion among themselves as to what is the
1: best No, uh, you're talking about a protest all over the country.
7: Yeah, so to be clear, right, there are 60,000 plus Leaving Cert students in the country, Okay. One of your correspondents has described them there as snowflakes. One of the young people made the point to me that if you put 60,000 snowflakes together, you can get an avalanche. And that can put the government under real pressure. So students have a number of options as to how they can put the the government under pressure, all right? And uh, the type of options that they have would include the following, right? Uh, One would be to do an online protest. Uh, to pick a couple of hashtags which sum up their feelings on this issue and to try and um, get them trending on Twitter on the day in which the doll reconvenes, okay? A second option... And would that
1: actually, a trend on Twitter, make a blind bit of difference? Who is that going to put pressure on?
7: it, It puts some pressure, but there are other things that might be done that could put more pressure, okay? So, for example, a second option that students might have now, it would be very important if this were to be done that it would be done in a socially distanced fashion uh, with uh, people being masked, etc., etc., right? But they could gather uh, at their school at lunchtime, either in the yard or outside of the gates, right, uh, as a socially distanced group, uh, take photographs, put them at social media, show that that's happening all around the country and invite radio stations like yourselves uh, and newspapers to come down and to interview them. And you think that's a
1: responsible tact to take for a TD to tell young people to gather in big numbers?
7: I think that uh, sometimes protest is essential and I think the Debenhams workers showed And they demonstrated on your show. And and they
1: stood six feet apart every single time they were outside Debenhams.
7: And that that is the way in which uh, a protest at a time of COVID needs to be done. It would need to be very well organized and it would need to be socially distanced. With the wearing of masks. You'd have yeah.
1: 60,000 students then gathering in their own groups all over the country at a time when Omicron uh, spreads as fast as turning on a tap. Uh, just bear that in mind.
7: Yeah, but it would be done in several hundreds of schools uh, around the country, which would mean that you would have smaller groups And it would need to be very well organised and socially distanced or else it shouldn't be done at all. What what
1: aren't they clear about? Surely what will happen this year is what happened last year, right?
7: Yeah, the government are now under pressure uh, to do uh, what was done last year, which was a hybrid leaving search. However, uh, I am trying to introduce another idea into the equation. And the alternative idea that I have is the idea of open access, open access to third-level education. So what does that mean?
1: It means that up to 60,000 of them would get a college place.
7: Yeah, I mean, if if you look at uh, the day and age of my parents or your parents, right, it it wasn't the the usual thing to go to third level. In 1970, only 3% of the population had gone to third level. Now, that's changed an awful lot. Uh, it's probably a small majority of the population who go to third level now. I think 55% of 30 to 35-year-olds have a a third-level education. But we now need to take the next step and say that anyone who wants to go to third level, there's a guarantee of a place there available for them. Uh, With the CAO every year, the Leaving Cert points race, the rat race, as many young people call it, you have 80,000 people chasing 55,000 places every year. So you would need to invest to create an extra 25,000 places. And that would cut across the idea that young people have to compete against each other with this extremely stressful exam, which certainly they shouldn't be competing against each other on in a pandemic year, in my opinion.
1: Okay, so that would put pressure on the college to find places for all of them, yeah? Do you think that's doable?
7: I I think it would only be doable if there was... uh, uh, major investments took place by the state in third-level education. You would need 25,000 new places, and you would need about 12,000 new staff. Although so you'd need, staff,
1: And you need all of those by September. Come on.
7: Well, it's, it's likely in September that you're going to have, um, what do they call, uh, blended education. So you've got some in-class education, and you've got some uh, Zoom online education. You'd you'd want to be able to invest to say that within two years you've got that in place and in the meantime you've blended learning. And
1: what about the text then and others like it are saying they just need to suck it up and cop cop themselves on and uh, just toughen off a bit, like everybody's in the same boat. We've all had huge disruptions in their lives. Uh, They've adapted the leaving cert as best as possible. Make the most of it.
7: Yeah, I I think that's um, a kind of a, a hardline point of view. Uh, I don't buy the idea uh, that this is a soft generation. I think this generation, um, in many ways, have a lot more thrown at them uh, than we did uh, back in the day. Back in the day, life was a bit simpler. It was never simple, but it was simpler. They're, they're growing up in a stressful, complex world, and a lot of the people who are sending the text in, with all due respect, have never had a situation where they were living in, um, where they were a school students in a global pandemic who lost maybe three months of direct classroom teaching time last year and now whose classes are in disarray for the month of January. Yeah, but there's a million people, for, for instance, English.
1: a million people on waiting lists in hospitals and a couple of hundred thousand of those are children um, waiting on consultancy, waiting on surgery, waiting on diagnosis. Um, surely money would be spent in that area faster with regards to ICU beds or hospitals or staffing our hospitals rather than staffing our colleges right now, no? Prioritise, I mean.
7: Yeah, you do have to prioritise and you do have to make choices. The The choice that I would make is to say that um, there is a K-shaped um, recovery on the pandemic. Essentially, that there are some sections who have done very, very well from the pandemic. Uh, for example, um, there was 5.5 trillion added to the wealth of billionaires in the course of the pandemic and i would make the hard choices in relation to them in terms of wealth taxes rather than young children who are uh, in waiting lists for hospitals or leaving their students who want to go to third level education
1: and is there Uh, is there a day of protest planned i mean have you picked a day
7: No, this is a a decision for the students themselves. I met with 400 Leaving Cert students online last Friday night, and I did point out to them that Wednesday the 19th of January, in other words, Wednesday week, is the day the Dáil reconvenes at 2 o'clock, and that they should consider and discuss among themselves uh, about, you know, if the 60,000 of them raising their voice and taking action, that is putting pressure on the government, and they need to discuss themselves What they think is the best way of doing that, whether it's online, whether it's not online. But as I say, if it's not online, it it would have to be very well organized.
1: Okay, but if it was a physical protest, a date would be picked and it would happen nationally. (laughs) And there are texts coming in already saying in times of pandemic, when the advice is not to do these kind of things, you're encouraging them to do it. When on the other hand, they kind of know exactly what's being proposed. Same structure as leaving cert as last year. And I imagine some people would suggest they should be hitting the books and not hitting the streets.
7: Uh, no need for any action to take place, Neil, if the government sit up and listen to the young people and uh, instead of an unfair situation, put some fair proposals in place. And I think open access has to be part of that. And after. that's a
1: college place for everybody. Thanks, Mick. I want to get the response of people on that one. Appreciate you taking the call. Mick Barry, TD, your thoughts on that are welcome. Text 0868
8: Hey, it's Kira.
3: Tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7am and wake up your weekend with music, chats and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revens.
0: This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106, Red FM. Matt Keen
1: to get your thoughts on that. Text 0868 104 106. One proposal, of course, that's been floated is a college place for all leaving search students, which we upwards of 60,000 of them. And the second one is a National Day of Student Protest. Your thoughts on that? Text 0868
0: 104 106. 104 to 106, Red FM. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. All
1: right, mad busy, so I'm going to plow ahead. A lot of people to talk to, a lot of emails and texts as usual. Marion, good morning.
0: Good morning, Neil. Okay, Laura,
1: just yes. following up on, like, this time last year, conversations about the Leaving Cert. Your thoughts?
3: Well, I think I probably I responded most to Mick because I yes. felt that he wasn't talking from a place of fact, and I think he hasn't taken into consideration that we have 20% of students sitting the Leaving Cert this year who don't have a junior cert. So those students who chose to go from third year to fifth year, they don't have a junior cert. And the junior cert was supposed to be the basis on which we gave people predicted grades. The,
4: the, so, oh, yes, of course, that
1: did happen. So, You're dead right. Oh, so,
3: yeah. So, I mean, everybody's talking, but they're talking in a vacuum. So they need to come back and look at the students who are currently facing in to do their leaving cert. And 20% of those don't have an equal playing pitch already. So the only way that... And why
1: why is it inequitable for them? Explain that.
3: Well, you see, if you're going to give... um, The junior search was supposed to be the foundation on which you could go back when you were basing your marks or which was going to be a levelling point, and they don't have that. So then, therefore, they're excluded from that process. So how do we then judge our marks or how do we go through the predicted grade process if they don't have a junior search? Well, would they really have used search. a
1: junior cert result to predict a grade in a leaving search?
3: They don't necessarily use it but it was, going, it was a, a basis on which you could form some form of understanding of where a student might be. Isn't that incredible um, that
1: I you could, that could have a complete cohort of students who went through secondary school and never did a full traditional formal exam?
3: Well, you could have, and that's the issue. And you have a you have junior and leaving cert, junior and leaving cert, because they didn't get to do the junior cert. The junior cert was cancelled. But I think what we're also talking about is is there is a possibility for students to sit an exam. I know the leaving cert is flawed in huge ways, but it also is they are going to face into university where they will be sitting exams where there is an expectation that they can perform under time, all of those different things. Um, And I think that yes, we should expand. The, you know, the questions that we have, we should expand all of those different things. We're already looking at doing the um, practicals and the orals at Easter so that there's more time built into it. But I think if we're talking about, you know, inflated grades, then that's not the way forward because inflated grades are just going to feed back into the points race. It's ludicrous of myth to say, oh, let's just expand it open to everybody because then you could create a sense of kids going into courses that they wouldn't necessarily choose, that they may not be able to do. There's all of those things. And universities aren't going to do it anyway. Well, yeah, they'd have to find find 15,000 teachers. Yeah, Yeah, it's just, you know... Are
1: Are you coming from a background of being involved in education?
3: Yes, I am. And, at last, I, you know, and I'm not coming at it from a, a teacher who's going to be asked to do the predicted grades. I'm coming at it from somebody who looks across a group of schools um, most of my kids aren't looking at university but the idea of a formal exam is important to a lot of them okay. particularly those that it would be um, and I think that in predicted grades they may not have performed in their school history but they're beginning to see the value of that we've kept them in education they're focused on doing something and that may be their one thing that they have that's attainable um, and I think that you know we also have to say okay we have students who have inflated grades to so no fault of their own Um, they don't necessarily have to go through the same CAO process as the 2022 students. We can remove them from the system and they can apply separately because all they they will do is push the points up. That's a very simple thing to do. And
1: what do you think should happen with this year's cohort of leaving search students?
3: I think this year's cohort should do what they expected to do, which is go towards doing written exams with a much broader basis um, and we can adjust in terms of the marking, in terms of access to questions, much more broad curriculum when we're setting papers. Right, so that's are you saying a full sit-down true. of the exams? I think yes. Yeah. I think yes. Where, yeah, I do. I think that's what they're working towards. And you think they have
1: so, enough done? Fifth year was a mess for them. You think they have enough done?
3: I think fifth year was a mess in part. Um, you know, I mean, look, all of us who are leaving, I don't know how many of us really focused as much on in, in fifth year. Um but I think that that we have enough done and what isn't covered can be compensated for in, in the formal paper, okay. It really can do. Okay. Um, otherwise, we now have to then go back and say, well, what do we do with the 20% who've never done a formal exam?
1: You see, um, the big uh, I mean, just on just a slightly off topic, in conversation yesterday with Eileen Halley from Jumpstart Your Confidence, yeah. she works with a lot of young people, uh, we were chatting about the fact that the leaving certificate is no longer fit for purpose. Actually, we moved no, on it? to the fact that an awful lot of college cho- choices by students are not career choices. They're just chasing no. the points that are equivalent to the exactly. course. And they quit after first year or they jump out or they just leave yeah. college. It, of it, it needs a major overhaul. I don't know how Which you would do the, it, but...
3: I think that what we have to look at is, is we haven't got a system where we value people who go through apprenticeships or we go through practical courses um, and we don't give them something tangible. So, like, only 13% of students in this country will ever get over 500 points. But everybody looks at the co- courses that are over 500 points as being somehow the courses for people who are the most clever, the most... I know enabled. that. And,
1: and also, I meet with solicitors, sometimes barristers, and, they, and some of them recommend that people should stay the hell out of law it's saturated. Yeah. The money is gone. Of but course, we had a change in the compensation culture here because of the courts and that it's not a good career path at all anymore if you no, want to make a and good I living.
3: No, but I think that even if that was something that you really wanted to do, you ha- we have to say to students and this is down to coming back into schools and looking at, at, at actually really decent career guidance where we're saying to people, you don't need to do a law degree to be a solicitor. You can do arts. You can do your FE1s if that's what you really want to do after your your, your basic general education. But we have created a system where points are not ability, they're just places.
1: And do you have any opinion then on whether or not people who are choosing um, a college course or a career path are choosing one for the money or for the passion?
3: I think that the majority of them are choosing them because they identify um, success with points. And I think that we have to come back to students. And everybody that I would advise, I would say to them, you should do a general degree first. You can do a postgrad in absolutely anything because if you like your general degree, um, which we do, they do in a lot of the Swedish countries, uh, in Sweden and, and in a lot of the Nordic right. countries, you know, a general education. At the end of those three years, you have an idea of what you would like to do. That seems very and sensible really to me. Have really good yeah. postgraduate courses where people can choose to vocationalise then.
1: Then they'd have a much um, better idea rather exactly. than pressurising a 17 year old to make a career choice so young. And, and a 17
3: year old who's probably going in and being told, this is what's in UCC, this is what's in UCG, this is what's available to you. Um and they feel very trapped by that choice. Mm, okay. um, and I didn't know what I wanted at seventeen. Yeah, and like, no. I, I don't know now. But I I mean I, I like your I like your
7: thought
1: reference there to apprenticeships and trades. Just try and get a plumber an electrician or a builder or a carpenter. I mean, forget about but it. I mean, it I mean, if and if those I'm that are working in the trades matters. are making great money
3: yeah and I mean we've brought I've brought at numerous occasions to the department the idea that we should be looking we'll say if we were in France, you would do a specialized back. So if you decided you didn't want to go down the academic route, you choose a, there there is absolute respect for um different types of learning. It's the same in Germany uh, they can go through the trade route almost like a leaving. But What is it kind of um, looked
1: down and frowned upon somebody opting not, for an apprenticeship it's exactly in Ireland? Absolutely
3: not. Um, but in Ireland, it is. No, I'm saying and in I, Ireland. Is yes. it frowned
1: upon yeah, if somebody
6: is, said... absolutely.
3: Uh, yeah? It is, absolutely. And I think that Simon Harris is trying to make adjustments, but the universities don't want to see it. Um, and What um, no, I'm wondering is that the parents are discouraging the... Exactly. Parents don't either. If you look at the majority of parents they are pushing their child to go towards um, some type of law, business... Medicine. Um, medicine, of course. Mm. Um, and those sorts of careers. They're not even... And even if you say to a parent, your child, look, we're not looking at medicine, they may not get that, would you not look at occupational therapy? Would you look at something else? If that's where the child really wants to work, and it's a no.
1: So is it that that all too often the parents are dictating to the child or to the student what they should do in college?
3: I think that it's a combination of the idea that you are smart if you are in these courses. And that's not true. Some, You know, that's not necessarily true. There's totally different types of intelligence. And I think that we reward people who can manage to do well um, and get those points. Now, that absolutely comes back to then, is the exam fit for purpose. No, because no, that's counts.
1: only a memory test. Like, it's just exactly. not, it exactly. No sense.
3: I think that in this year, it's going to be, it needs to be much broader. But we don't, if you're turning around and saying to me, should this year be um, predicted grades again? Well, all predicted grades are go- going to do is push the points even higher. Um, because that's what it did. It okay. created a false set of expectations. And we now have a huge amount of, of kids who got those grades, in university courses that they were never going to get previously and are now failing from college.
1: Oh, what a mess. Listen, appreciate so your contribution this morning. Do stay in touch, Marion. Thank you so Take much. Care. Take Thank care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Text 0868 And if you wish to come on the air, 0818 104 106. Therese, good morning. Uh, let me just get myself sorted here in line two. There you okay. are. Therese, morning to you.
9: Good morning. How
1: are you? I'm well, thank you. Now over the Christmas you got in touch with me on my own Instagram page, a very heart rending, heart wrenching appeal on behalf of your sister, her husband, and little baby Connor. Tell us about that, Therese.
9: Okay, so this all began back in the middle of November. Two brothers just playing play acting around and Connor fell. He fell down to the steps at the end of the stairs. Um, Jack went and to tell his mum, Louise, um, that he had fallen and Louise went out didn't take much notice of it because it was only two steps over the next few days she started noticing that he wasn't using his dominant sight so she began, began worried and she then went to the hospital with him
1: three she years so old, three year old dad isn't there? three year old, yeah
9: that's correct, yeah. he's only three since September fallen
1: over, yeah, so, struggling to walk, yeah
9: Exactly. So on the Tuesday, he had an x-ray, came back clear. Wednesday, he had an x-ray, came back clear. Now on the Thursday, he had an MRA. And when one hour of the MRA coming back, all the consultants were up and telling her, call your husband in. So of course, Louise is going to say, is everything okay? Yeah. It's not good news. And he was told he had a brain tumour. So he then he's been discharged from the hospital to be sent to a specialist hospital, John Radcliffe in Oxford.
1: And yeah, at this point, let me jump in because yeah. you are Louise's sister. You and Louise are Churchfield girls from the north side That's of Cork. Correct. But Louise, That's correct. of course, moved to England and married Dean. But there's Cork in our yeah. heart, and we claim Connor as one of our own, almost. If you like, Little Of Connor. course, you do. Yeah, yeah. Of
9: course, you do. And then yeah, the um so
1: so the extra consultation then revealed that the brain tumour was highly aggressive. Am I right?
9: Correct, and it wasn't just the one that he was dealing with, he has two types of cancers. and Connor has been diagnosed with the TP53, um, so that is a mutation gene in itself. Um so he's going to be prone to cancers growing up. Um, so, with this, he needs to, I suppose, with the two different types of cancers that he has, one being more aggressive than the other, and where it's situated, they can't operate.
1: I know, but I was when I was reading your. As I say, you know, very, very sad and upsetting mm-hmm. correspondence. You said that the NHS said to Mammy and Daddy that there's nothing they can do and they should no. enjoy their time together as a family.
9: Yeah, they couldn't go away, enjoy your weekend because it's an operational of where it's situated, you see, it's in the ponds. It's at the, the, the big screen yeah. at the top of the spine. Yeah. And they said that there was nothing. They can't go in and take it because it's not as such as a mass. It's more integrated in between the, I suppose, the nervous system and the brain, so they can't go really and take it out. But and if they can't
1: office. get at it or operate it, what no. what's the prognosis for Connor?
9: Well, if he doesn't get the radiotherapy to shrink it, and where the we're initially hoping that he'll get on a trial somewhere around Europe or in the US, that they can try and do something for him. Whereas if they can't get at it, his diagnosis is eight months to twelve months. That is basically it.
1: That he, he will be gone from his lovely family yeah. by the end of the year?
9: Yeah. So it's up to us as a family to fight for him. Because him being only three, is not able to do that at the moment. So it's us, we are his voice.
1: And is so he, he home well, now with Mammy, Daddy and his brother?
9: Yep, yeah, he's Jack. at home. And he had a big thing yesterday in the hospital. So just to see if he could have a general anaesthetic. Because if Connor needs to have radiotherapy, he needs to have an under general anaesthetic. So yesterday he was being told, yes, he can have it because his jaw froze and he couldn't eat or anything. So they had to give him some um, Botox on the jaw to open it. So initially now we're being told he can have the radiotherapy. So we're hoping that going forward in the next few weeks that he can get some, which might shrink it. And then hopefully we get a trial in Europe.
1: And the trial in Europe, of course, is critical isn't
9: it? It is indeed because there's nothing at the moment in Great Ormond Street in London his oncologist has been trying to see there is a trial going to be set up and nothing at the moment.
1: So it could be Europe or perhaps America they're groundbreaking in things like this?
9: Well at the moment you see because of the pressure on the brain with the tumour he can't fly to the US um, but we're hoping that with the radiotherapy that it's going to shrink it.
1: Oh, you can't and get on a plane, can, yeah, yeah.
9: yeah. He so. can go to Europe because it's um, short flights.
1: So well, you like, like, also have the channel Tunnel.
9: Yeah, that goes to France. Uh, yeah. He has, like, there's places in Germany and Switzerland so they're all very, very good, and she's emailed both of these clinics to see if they will take him on
1: and how's so. how's your sister and her husband coping and and indeed his brother jack who oh, jack's eight now, so he 's probably well aware yeah. of what's going on is he
9: He knows to a certain extent, but louise Louise is trying to shield him as well she knows, she explains him that he's sick and that he needs to be going to the hospital a lot, but to the extent of can she explain to him that he's not going to be here in a year's time oh my god that's the other side and Louise is trying her best she's trying her best to hold it together she's sleeping with him she has him everywhere with her
1: You said to me when you got in touch, until now we've kept this journey to ourselves to allow us to process everything that we've been told in such a short space of time. But we're now sharing the story in the hope that you can help us raise enough money to fund the treatment that Connor so desperately needs. If the heartbreaking eventuality does happen, that even outside the NHS in the UK, that we cannot find treatment for Connor, then we would like to make one last adventure for him and to take him to Disneyland.
9: Yeah. I suppose it's a thing of, like Vicky Field said, making memories.
1: Oh, that's heartbreaking. that's
9: just all what it is. Yeah. yeah.
1: So so you are funding at the moment, right? We yeah, are indeed, yeah. And how's that going?
9: It's slow, but it's getting there. And the generosity of people across Cork is being unreal.
1: Yeah, and I think it's just short of 30 grand now at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, yeah.
9: And, and
1: if that continues to grow, of course, and helps with the treatment somewhere in Europe, that money mm-hmm. will go towards it. If all of that money isn't needed for the treatment, you mm-hmm. would then be giving it to research into this Correct. condition for other families. So it's it's win-win for many people now, isn't it?
9: Exactly, because there's other families out there. And Louise is part of a group where there's plenty of kids in Ireland that are battling the same tr- um, disease.
1: And some and of the gold of the money would also fund Disneyland Paris?
9: Correct. Yes, correct. Um, fingers crossed that we don't need to have that. Now we can get the treatment and or both. in a couple of years' time. He can have a family holder there in a few years' time or something. Yeah. Well, that's oh, oh, just the back of my mind. I
1: know, I know. I know, listen, if if people are in a position to help... You know, I I hope to I hope to God that they will. You, you know, the GoFundMe is on my Facebook page now, and it's up on or on the Red FM Facebook pages, on Twitter. I'll I'll do my own thing on my own Instagram page as well. Please help our Thank son Connor. So, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if, for instance, you could raise money for the treatment, and also uh, yeah. that Connor uh, would be able to go to Disneyland Paris at the same time, in spite of the treatment, or before the treatment, just to brighten up his day.
9: Wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't it just? And we understand that people just have come through Christmas and the New Year and fun to love for everybody. And we really understand all that. But for for what people do, and Northside people are great. They come out in abundance. Yeah, and
1: of course, you're a Northside girl and so is your your sister, um, uh, Louise. Um, Are you aware of um, the Cork City Hospital Children's Club? I am indeed. All right, so do you know John Looney?
9: I know
1: him, Yeah, He sends children and their families uh, who are poorly to Disneyland in Paris. That's
9: correct, yeah.
1: Okay, all right, okay. Good, I'm glad you know him because he joins me by phone. John, good morning.
9: Okay.
8: Good morning, Neil. Good
9: morning, Trace. Good
8: morning, John. How are you keeping? Not too bad at all. And let me compliment you on your whole story there. you, You explained it absolutely fantastic to everybody.
1: You're one of the great. You're one of the greatest guys in the whole wide world, John, for the work that you do. I'm always in awe of you. Uh, you heard of this because I think also, in fairness to Sarah Horgan at the Echo, she was in touch with you. Can you help this family?
8: Near without a dose. Like what we can do for this family, you now we can give them two options. Number one option is actually we can send them as a family themselves anytime they choose to go to your or Disney, all expenses paid. Or if they wish to hang on after the treatment if all the treatment goes well with the, with the help of God they can come with us as a group when we can go again that is unreal isn't it <laughs> uh, it's
9: just oh my god that is mind blowing really
8: <laughs> you can go
1: as a family on your own if you wish whenever you want or wait and go with the group that will be going at a later date i think and you can go on the channel tunnel right so okay. so connor never has to get on a plane with the brain nope. tumor you just go on the train under the that sea that is that is
9: just that's just an adventure by itself even going on the <laughs> <tunnel>. i think <laughs> yeah.
1: it's really, i'd love to go with you
6: i think it's
9: fantastic <laughs> yeah that's just an adventure by yourself um, that train is unreal
1: and then, oh my God. up he comes on the other side in France, the train continues all the way to Paris, everything's booked at Euro Disney, at Disneyland, um, and everything's paid for.
9: That is just, oh my God, words don't even come to me at this stage. John, you are so, so kind, thank you so much for that, uh, that it's just amazing. And
1: this is doable, John, it's within your budgets and everything, and your fundraising?
8: Yeah, well thank God, over the last two years, as you know, like things have come to the, heart, the same as everybody is. Or well, people behind the scenes are actually still fundraising for us doing their own bits and pieces, you know, which is fantastic. And I mean, like until this pandemic kind of ends, there's nothing we can do, really. Do you know? Yes. We're just cutting, cutting both. Yes. Both sides of the world. But hopefully
1: sooner know? rather than later, of course, all of the floodgates exactly. will will open again. So, Therese, it's important. Yes. I I don't know whether Louise or Dean are listening right now, but it's they're, important. Are yeah. they? Okay, so yeah, they're hearing they're, this as well. Yeah. So that the whole will come.
9: Family is listening.
1: Oh, great! <laughs> well, listen, that's some that's some good news anyway. Um,
9: that,
1: that, that the family are going and Jack as well don't forget Jack
9: oh Jack he would be first and <laughs> foremost anyway to the front of the queue <laughs> hey, he's
1: got <laughs> got to get to Disney as well so that's that's yeah. okay then whenever that works for you guys but the fundraising continues of course as I say yeah. uh, for treatment outside the UK you say you yeah. beg borrow or steal we're also asking people to help if they can right
9: exactly everything we have to try our best for him he's so small that we are the voice for him at the moment and we need to bang on every door and if if the eventuality comes and we know that we can do no more at least we can look back and say well we tried our best we didn't just leave this go
1: we don't want that eventuality to come without trying every single thing possible but in the meantime if it were to sadly come you'll have done everything possible and he will have got to Disneyland as well
9: which is amazing
1: and he will love it he will love it
9: Oh, my God, be a dream come true. Okay. Not alone just for the kids, but for the adults as well. <laughs> we, <so yeah. laughs> I know.
1: Okay. All right. Listen, John, a million thanks. Is it any wonder that you got a plaque from the president for the work you
8: do, pal? Uh, Neil, on, on that subject, the president gave us all the plaque two years ago, you know, for all the work you, that we do. But as a group, they also gave us one for yourself, Neil, and Red FM. And I <laughs> okay. have it here for the last two years. I rang Emer. I was speaking to Emer about the whole apples. Unfortunately, we had to cancel everything. Oh, my God. But I will drop out to you someday and present that to you. That's
1: a beautiful recognition. Thank you so much, John, from Michael D. Higgins all the way down. Appreciate it so That's much. Nice. You're very kind. Lovely. Listen, lads, I'm so delighted that we made part of it happen. Let's drive the GoFundMe on as best we can. John Looney, you stay in touch for any help you need this year, all right? Okay. Appreciate it. And Therese, pass on our kindest thoughts and wishes to Louise and to Dean and to Jack and to Connor, will you?
9: I will, of course. And so listen, thank you so much for taking the call this morning. Do stay uh, in much touch. Much appreciated. Yeah. And thank you. And thank people
1: you. will want updates from you across the year, all right?
9: Oh, yeah, yeah. No worries at all.
1: You're of lovely, course. Therese. Take care of yourself. Thank you
9: so much. And so you. Take
1: care. Bye bye. 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 GoFundMe link is up on the Red FM Facebook page. It's up on Twitter as well. It's called Please Help Our Son Connor. If nothing else happens, and I'm quite sure an awful lot will, they will leave no stone untouched. But as I say, Disneyland Paris sorted. And again, it happened on site
0: Call the Neil Prenderville show now on the new number 0818 104 106.
1: Okay, uh, I hope you'll oblige me. I just want to do some emails here. This one is pretty shocking. Came in yesterday from Maria by email to neil at FM.ie. First off, I really don't want this email to scare anyone from getting their booster vaccine. However, I would like to share how it affected me. I got it on Wednesday, the booster on Wednesday, the 23rd of December, two days before Christmas. I had said to myself, I'm may have a bit of a sore arm, but what I went through was absolute hell. Within three hours of getting the booster vaccine, I found myself almost falling asleep at the wheel of my car. As soon as I got home, I felt so faint I had to take to the bed right away. The pain in my arm was getting sorer by the hour, which I expected, but I didn't think I would have this awful sensation in my chest. I felt like I was going to have a heart attack. The pain I had was excruciating, a horrific tightness in my chest. I then got these awful headaches. I couldn't get up the rest of that evening, so I stayed in bed. I got no sleep at all that night. I got up at 5am the next morning and I never felt worse. The pain in my chest was so bad at this stage, I thought I would have to call my partner from his sleep to help me just to get dressed and put on some clothes. We were so busy at work leading up to Christmas, I couldn't take the day off. I had a really high temperature all that day, sweats and dizziness, not to mind a crippling migraine. I was the same come Friday and Saturday, being Christmas Day. I genuinely can't remember the Christmas dinner on Christmas Day. I was just so out of it. I am a very fit person, but I had zero energy. A few days later, I went for a run. I can usually run 10K easily. However, I could only run a few meters. I was so lethargic, I gave up. This went on for at least two weeks. I'm only feeling back to myself now. Uh, While I've mentioned all the physical effects, the downer I had after it was like nothing I'd experienced in a long time. I was so down, so depressed and so sad. I felt I'd be better off dead. I don't want to put anyone off from getting their booster, but please believe people who say they're having adverse reactions When they say that they are, it really for me was a hell. Love the show, says Maria. I pass that on now and others will say that, um, you know, that it will scare and frighten people. But to be honest with you, you know, if somebody puts pen to paper like that or email to share a story like that, it deserves and needs to be shared. So that was Maria's experience. Um, If you've had experiences like it, then you can also get in touch yourself by email Neil at uh, redfm.ie. I know you don't like talking about COVID, but you do run the COVID ads every hour, don't you? Uh, So it's in everybody's head. But it's, uh, but just to make you aware, our government reminds us every day about getting the vaccination and getting boosters while boasting that we're the best in the world at 94.5% of our population vaccinated. And it's all done by winning the hearts of the general population. This is anything but further from the truth. We are the best at getting COVID. Now with a daily rate of 24,000 per day, this is the highest rate of infection in the world. If this was the UK that has 65 million, they'd have a daily infection rate of 312,000 a day. The USA has a population of 324 million. They'd have a daily rate of millions. Spain's 47 million would have a quarter of a million a day. Given these numbers, I can't see why Europe has not shut our country down yet and stopped us moving around Europe. And now looking at these numbers, we are still blaming the unvaccinated to cover up the mess the government's causing. The money spent on this would have sorted out the housing problems, you know. It would have built 20 new hospitals and a lot more. This is nothing but headless management by our government. Something you and me and our children will be paying for when they bring in the new COVID tax, which will run at about 2% on your wages. I've always trusted science, but I never trusted the scientist. Uh, Given what's going on, we might be better finding a witch who is a bag of tools like a frog and a book of rules. We'd be just as well off. Have a good COVID day, says Jim O'Hearn. And just one final one on this topic. Just wondering if this topic could be brought up on your show. I don't want to go on air, but I'd love to see if anyone has an answer for me. I caught COVID on the 31st of December. And I was testing positive on all antigen tests, including the HSE antigen tests. My fiancé caught it before me and managed to get a PCR, which was positive. But I didn't manage to get an appointment until tomorrow. At this point, the test is probably going to be negative. Remember, tested positive on the 31st of December. So my question for the listeners is what happens if the PCR comes back negative and I can't get a cert to say I'm recovered from COVID? I then have to wait for three months for my booster? Me and my partner were hoping to go on holidays next month. I've had COVID. Next month is the only time of the year we can go. If I don't have a cert, does it also mean that I can't go to the pub? Uh, I'd really love if you could bring this up as I'm definitely not the only one in this dilemma due to the amount of people and the waiting times for a PCR test. Did I hear somewhere that an updated cert will not be needed for hospitality? I think I did. I mean, I can double check on that. Overseas travel? I'll definitely have to check on, but I believe they did say, which is a bit of an anomaly, really a contradiction in terms, that you wouldn't need an updated booster cert. People are getting them though. I mean, I got mine. Uh, I think maybe on Sunday it arrived into the email box. If you want to put it into your COVID app, you take a you you, you print it off and then you scan it with your phone, and that will then automatically you know open the COVID app, uh, scan, take the photograph or scan it. Will update your COVID cert on your. COVID app, you know, the HSE COVID app so that's how you get it into your system. Anyway keep those texts coming, text always six eight one zero four one zero six, and indeed email neil at RedFM. Text the Neil
0: Brendaville Show now. 86
1: 106 Red FM. I was just going through some bits and pieces in the papers earlier this morning because all Martin has said that there won't be mandatory for jabs in any way, shape or form here. That's what they're saying now. But we'll have to wait and see if they change their mind on that. But he seems to be fairly um, set in his ways in that. But Austria was one of the first countries in Europe to announce mandatory vaccines, which are due to come into effect on the 1st of February. Uh, Greece, from the 15th of January, will start Fining people, you will be fined from the fifteenth of January if you're over sixty and haven't been vaccinated. And every single month they will add another fine on, so it'll be a hundred euro a month, and it'll just go up and up and up. Italy announced that it has approved a measure requiring people aged fifty and over to get vaccinated. I don't know what they do if people won't. They're saying it's mandatory for fifty pluses. The Greeks will find you. And in France, since September, they've required healthcare professionals and firefighters and anybody working in transport or with the public or anything to be vaccinated. And Germany um, has put uh, mandatory vaccination uh, in place and it's on track for, I think, late February. Uh, the UK as well are saying that it'll be mandatory for healthcare workers from April the first, and Hungary as well um, said that um, you know it'll be mand- mandatory for healthcare workers and state school teachers, people working in any kind of state institution or state business, but that private companies will decide for themselves. So it's like a public worker thing. But the Greeks really are the ones that are really cracking the whip. Anybody over sixty will be fined a hundred euro a month and it will just increase and increase and increase. Um, so that's the latest with regards to the rest of Europe. And Michal Martin says, ain't going to happen here. Year, year. Yesterday, we were chatting with Leaving Cert students um, and obviously others were either listening live or listening to the podcast because a sixth year from Edmund Rice College in Cargilline said, just saw your post on students' thoughts regarding predictive grading and the Leaving Cert. Just thought I'd throw down what myself and my friends have been discussing over the past few weeks. So this is, um, uh, you know, the, the thoughts of... Uh, a group of sixth years from Edmund Rice College. Uh, my whole mind has been taken over by anxieties associated with the uncertainty of the coming months. The risk of catching COVID itself is the baseline of the worries and anxiety. I've missed nearly a month of school already this year, being put down as a close contact. And to add to this, I've been out sick today after becoming ill post booster, just after the booster. The classroom setting is not one of active learning at all, with all the attempts being made to prevent the spread windows wide open to stop the spread, leading students to be freezing in the middle of winter. It's all I can focus on in class, the cold. You can't learn in cold conditions. You can't learn to your full potential when teachers are afraid to leave their desks, when you don't even recognize your fellow classmates without masks anymore. That's interesting. I only recognize you with the mask. Thank you for that perspective. Anyway, this just adds to the negative impact COVID had on my experiences of learning without even mentioning lockdown. We can all guess the effects that lockdown has had on everyone's learning, but take your estimate and multiply it by 10. We missed half of transition year, which everyone thinks, sure, that's a dossier, but, but it was our break from one exam year to the next. It was a chance to get to know our classmates that was robbed from us before beginning the Leaving Cert preparation. Then cut to missing four months of fifth year, where 70% of the Leaving Cert course is covered. of it done in fifth year we're at a severe disadvantage the same disadvantage that the past two exam years have also been in yet when we ask for the same opportunities they were given we're called chancers it's not the easy way out it's just being fair what happens if we get covid before the leaving cert what happens if we're close contacts interesting question the past two years have been full of stress and anxiety for me and my friends um with the point with the point inflation with point inflation as in points for college who knows if we'll even get our places my dream would be to have a mix like last year take into account my past class tests and exams my quality of homework and the potential i have to succeed in my exams let me tell you this is not a cop out nor is it the easy way out it's simple uh, it's simply just a way for us a year that has had their final secondary school years ruined it's just a way for us to succeed in our futures, to have a chance to do what we want to do in college. All we want is to be listened to. Thank you so much if you get to read this out. Um, kind regards, Moya. And Moya is a sixth-year student in Edmund Rice College in Cargoline. And there are others like that, which I'll come back to between now and quitting time. Just very quickly, um, can I just break to say we have two €150 euro vouchers to give away for Satori Clinic. They're just opened um, at uh, a new premises on Langford Row, uh, on the south side of the city, just the end, uh, at the end of Summerhill South. So they do things like acupuncture and cupping and acupressure. Uh, so new you for the new year. Kickstart the new year with a 150 euro voucher for Satori Clinic. And uh, the competition is based on newness, if you like. So the song titles all have new in them. You need to identify the artists and titles. Not now, but ran about 10 minutes to midday. Two winners, 150 euro voucher each.
0: Start spreading the news. So I fall in love just a little.
1: I'll open the phone lines just before midday on 0818 We'll take two winners, identify the artists and titles in the right order, callers 10 and 11. Now, back to topics that we've been dealing with over the past couple of days. One of the questions I put to people yesterday, and indeed last week as well, when we were talking about the big companies on lease side down through the years, I mentioned that within the firms, they had all sorts of different social groups and all sorts of different organizations, and one of them, way back in the day, was the tops of the towns. It ran in the 70s and the 80s, maybe even the 90s. Um, but it was a huge hit. So the companies on Side and all over Ireland, I think, you got into, I think it might have been a national final eventually. They all put together their own shows. And some of them were fairly elaborate productions. And when they whittled down the finalists, I think they ended up for the tops of the town's finals for Cork. And it could be big companies going up against each other, and there may well have been the final, if I remember correctly, in the Opera House. So all that's gone now, but it was a great way of building camaraderie and friendship in the workplace. Pat, good morning. Morning, Aid. I don't know if I've explained it properly. You you have a better understanding of what it was all about, right? Yeah,
10: Basically, it was, as you said, big companies in Cork. They had their camaraderie, and they've started this... um actually John Players you started John, John Players top of, of the town, town. yeah, yeah. Um, one of the most successful growth suppose was some being really they won it in 72 the runners up in 73 they won it again in 75 uh, the Cocktail uh, sorry the Cocktail um, the runners up in 74 76 Carrigaline won it in 78 when you
1: say Carrigaline is that Carrigaline pottery
10: or correct, something correct correct Colway Car- Um the cock Banks won it in 83, and the cock Teachers and Students won it in 87.
1: Get away.
10: Yeah, no, Dunlop's eight...
1: ever involved in that? Fords, anything like that?
10: No. Yeah, Ford, Fords, Verlone Dockyard, P.J. Hagerty, uh, there was a group called Penny Youth Theatre, who was run by a man called John Roach, I don't know if you remember him or not. John Roach? So he was a very, very talented young man. Okay, what did he do? Uh, did he? Who did um, he work with? He... Um, I'd rather not say what he did to be so he died tragically, I put it out at you. Okay, okay. okay. Um, what You know, Tops
1: of the Town, so what was the productions that they put on? What did they do?
10: Well, basically what they had done, what, as I said, I was involved in seventy four and seventy six with the Cock examiner. And basically what was, you had um, a, a, an opening show like you'd get in a variety show, then you might have a singer, you might have a sketch, you might have... You know, different pieces in between, and other all-casts, and it went on from various different, basically a variety show that showed up a lot of talent. You had the likes of Paddy Comerford, and you had um, Michael Toomey, Frank Toomey, they would have been involved as guests in the Euroload, guests on the show. Oh, you could bring in a star then. You could bring in a star, exactly, to headboat. I mean, we were all amateur. We all enjoyed it.
1: So if, ba- if Bamish and Crawford put in the tops of the town, they'd have Bill as the star, well, I delightful,
10: But they never put <laughs> one into that I can remember. <laughs> any. So in, uh, it
1: might be a cabaret, it might be a duet, it might be a sketch, it might be a dance act kind of thing.
10: You had Jack Briarley that was also involved in the musical side of things. Great Jack Briarley, yeah. And you had Paddy Sullivan that was with the Regal Show Band. Go away. Yeah, they were all involved. But uh, as I said... um I was involved in 74 and 76 with the, with the just cock examiner at the time. And what were
1: your productions like? What did you put on in 74 and 76 well, to win
10: basically it? basically, we put on, we in 76, I think, I think it was 76. There's a chap called Noel McCarthy, again, he was in Carrigaline. He was the um, director of it. And we put on it, again, off the top of my head, again, one piece sticks out of my mind, it was a thing called White Cottage, the White House. It was basically about the um, about the Americans. I'm sorry about the Irish going to America. That they started off in a very small cottage and finished up in the White Houses as such. So, you know, little bits of history like that were involved. And as I said, you had a girl with us. You had a, a girl called Dora was a very good singer, who had Pat Cannon would sing a song. We had another girl then who was a guest called Mae Murphy. They were all good singers. I remember
1: seeing, I don't know, was it photographs back in the day in The Examiner, what have you, of, and the echo of big dance routines with very oh, elaborate yeah, costumes.
10: yeah, they were, Again, like, as I said, we were all amateurs. We were all taught how to dance as best we possibly could. And we really enjoyed it. You were right in what you said. It came to, it came to a final in Cork, between two Cork groups. Then uh, what happened was, of all the groups that were around Ireland, the adjudicators will come together. Or sorry, the amount of points that you got will add it up, yeah. and then you go to a quarter final. And then you went to maybe to Tralee or Wexford or temporary a place like that for the quarterfinal. And again, the points would add up. You get to the semi-final. Again, you go somewhere else. And again, eventually you'd finish up in the Gatey Theatre in Dublin.
1: Did we ever win it on Lee side, the national top oh, yes, yes, final? Oh, yes,
10: that's what I said at the outset, some being won it in 72. Yeah, won it outright. Yeah. Some being won in 75. Cargilline Pottery's won it in 78 gotcha I thought
1: it was the Cork finals there, no, no, they won no. nationally
10: uh, Cork Banks won it in 83 and the Cork Teachers won it in 87 and
1: would there be fierce rehearsals involved in that
10: unbelievable audience, especially if you got to the quarter final, finals and things like that you no know, it cost a lot of money as well no luckily enough times were good at the time and um, a lot of the companies paid for it I know a, a very funny story was we were in the quarterfinals in Tralee a couple of years ago and we were told that if the if the alarm it, it was an auxiliary fire service that if the alarm went off when we were on stage to run off stage and t- just to leg it. Now, the alarm didn't go off. But we were staying in a hotel down there, and the fire alarm did go off in the hotel. <laughs> you can imagine the bodies all over the race coming out. But thank God it was nobody hurt. It was you, a good bit of fun. For all that I mean? for all
1: those rehearsals and preparation, would you be given time off work?
10: Well no, you're talking about time off. I must tell you this story. Basically the rehearsals we didn't the night workers wouldn't start till maybe nine o'clock. And somebody else said later, Walkers would start at 11, so you'd be able to do your rehearsals that time. Correct. All right, and the girls obviously would finish at half past five. But I must tell you the story. Three lads Eddie Carey, Tony Stokes, and Pat Callan were involved in 76. And I always remember Pat Cannon would drove a you yellow know, Capri car. Wow. And we were first on in Dublin at 8 o'clock. And the minute the show was over, they drove back to go back to work and they work Isn't in the Cork Examiner. To get the Examiner out to overnight. Get the examiner on the street, that's a fact.
1: Amazing. And was there huge celebrations then with the Cork oh, win back stop, in Leeside? Stop, stop,
10: stop, stop. You can imagine over you all know, the fellas and girls got together. And uh, no, as I said, we didn't win it. We were really disappointed. Yeah. we are beaten in 74 and 76. But, you know, you... You with the other groves would have know, great camaraderie, and you'd be hoping that it would be, be, on. Oh. Now it was televised live every year. To find why, out.
1: yeah, and why did it die out? It seems as if it would fly now.
10: Yeah, well, I think it wouldn't. I agree with you. But I think what happened was when the sponsorship went from the cigarettes, it was known as the John Player Tops of the Town
1: sponsorship died off.
10: died sponsorship out sponsorship died no I might be wrong in this but I, I, I might be I think Ford's might have taken it over for one or two years I'm not sure
1: oh, I know what you're saying and did uh, it did it Did it last up to the
10: 97 like, I think it did finished it? Really? 97 yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah we had great fun um, there was a there was a There was a lad wrote for the Sunday World, a lad he died in a plane crash after Kevin Martin.
1: Kevin Martin, he went on the Beaujolais race in a plane to France.
10: Kevin Martin absolutely detested it. He used <laughs> cut the back of it every. Year. Why
1: they were amateurs doing their um,
10: best I for I know, god but so. Kevin Maron certainly didn't like it. <laughs> but everybody else, you know, we had we had great times to be so Oh my but god! The reason I I'm looking for, and as I said, you're a great man to get things on. I was wondering, is there anybody has a copy? To, no, it wouldn't be a CD, to be a video, obviously. Yeah. Of the seventy-four and seventy-six finals in Dublin. Might even be a reel. Yeah, exactly. You know, I tried the archives, but I'm getting no, the archives and RT, but I'm getting no satisfaction. Please ring back again, ring back again. Well, listen,
1: I get asked for very varied requests. That's one of the more ver- weirder ones, but you never know. You're looking for the 74 and 76, 76 televised yeah. finals it's of the tops of the towns on VHS or whatever the case may be. Let's yeah. see. Let's see. You never know who might be listening. Throw, what, throw, what did throw. you do in the examiner then, Pat?
10: I was in this fast department.
1: Oh, you were the man that got it out into the vans and onto the streets.
10: And were you there all your life? I was there for thirty six years.
1: Go away. Did you retire
10: out of there then as well? I retired. I retired early, I retired at fifty two. Did you? <laughs> I did yeah.
1: And you put the feet up then as you do I something did
10: that, else? Indeed, no, I worked to the shopping centre here in Banning College. <laughs> and I worked to the pharmacy in Bannicolli, but I'm in sixteen, I you know. So I retired there um, about seven or eight years ago. I had two grandchildren, so I said, look, just tell you to look after them now. Dead right, boy. <laughs> you you got the timing you got the timing
1: spot my... on and I'm sure yeah. your timing on the stage was just as good. Oh,
10: listen, <laughs> we had a great for article alright
1: alright okay, okay listen um, let me see if we have any success in that okay. the, the tops of the town national finals 74 and 76
10: now just before you go just yeah. one more thing I usually do the lotto for Saturday and Wednesday
1: yeah
10: and this weekend I went to do it and they told me I can't do future draws
1: I know nothing about the lotto. I don't the play it, so I have no... Asking, I know.
10: The reason I'm asking because the famous chat about this 19 million. We were always able to do future draws. Now, unfortunately, we can't. I was just wondering, did anybody else ring in or say... What does that mean? It? You can't buy a head for a few draws no. ahead? No, I usually do my Saturday and Wednesday and a Friday.
1: Why in the hell can't they just let you do that? I mean, the technology's there to do it. They
10: won't do it. I went to three different shops, at uh, three different shops, that we can The machines won't take it. I was just wondering that anybody. Let's else...
1: see if anybody's come across that. Or we can yeah. always put in a question to the National Lottery. Yeah. Anyway, listen, great chatting with you, Pat. Thanks for and the nostalgia. Too, Thanks very much. Take and care, I my hope man. You, uh, the fight
10: success for me. We'll
1: have a look at and see seventy four and seventy six finals of the tops of the town. It's a real major long shot, but you never know. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six.
8: I'm Rory
5: and I'm Valerie, and you can join us for. The the very best in local, national and
0: international sport every weekend on the Big Red Bench.
8: That's the Big Red Bench every Saturday and Sunday from 6
0: on Cork's Red FM. New Year, new number for Neo. 0818 And by
1: text, um, we talk about positivity in our lives. We've talked about the happiness challenge yesterday. I'll be chatting more about that before midday today. You know, and I was referencing people who are just naturally very happy and very positive. Why? Why are some people happy and others have to work on it? Are those happy, clappy people as positive as you describe behind closed doors, I wonder? A lot of people put it on and pretend they're happy, but they're secretly miserable. There's a thing called toxic positivity now. Uh, where people are over the top with positivity, especially in the online world. And it's unrealistic. It's a very interesting text. Uh, Morning, I received a book for Christmas a few years ago. It's called The Biology of Belief by Bruce Lipton. He's a great lover of epigenetics. As a result, I went to see him a few times in conferences. He changed my life. Um, One way of you doing more with regards to keeping people happy and positive and not talking too much about COVID which I hope I don't anyway, is that you should have Reggie on the air every week. Last time you had him on, I laughed so much, says Gráinne. Thank you for that. And our conversations yesterday regarding the Sunbeam. My aunt Peggy, sadly no longer with us, worked in the Sunbeam all those years ago. Uh, As a young lad, more than once she told me the story of a massive order the Sunbeam got from the Russian army. Thousands of red military coats. Peggy said, all you could see was wall-to-wall red material. I'm sure there are hundreds of stories, but that one stayed with me. I wonder, does um, any of you gentlemen, including Kevin Dwyer or others, have any memory of a massive order from the Russian army? Uh, I'm at work, otherwise I'd love to chat, says Ian. Well, that's amazing that the sunbeam in Blackpool clothed... And put the uniforms on the backs of the Russian army back in the day. Red, red, red. What a great interview with a lovely gentleman, Kevin Dwyer. I have very fond memories of Kevin in Handlebars with Johnny Gatto and Rock and Jerry and all of the Dixies and all of the show brands who who frequented with us. With great memories. Kind regards, Kim Cunningham. Oh, my God. It's lovely to get a text from one of the Cunningham family. Lovely to hear from you. Um... I can remember the fire at the Sunbeam, Neil. I collected my kids from school and we watched the fire from a wall about half a mile away. And even a half a mile away, we could feel the heat. By the way, there was a paint factory next door. And if that caught on fire, there would have been devastation. By the way, when we were kids, we used to gather by our corner and watch the Sunbeam girls walk past us at four o'clock every day. And indeed, Claire also picks up in my conversations regarding the tops of the town And the fun that they had in Sunbeam, year in, year out, doing and competing in the tops of the town. Okay we'll come back to more texts across the morning do feel free to get in touch, text 086 I love this story I love lost and founds when everything gets sorted in the end. Sometimes it can take a long time, other times of course it can only take half an hour, like was the case this morning with the 1100cc bike stolen on the south side and found uh, on the north side um, stolen overnight, um, and that's a lovely one, but there's a great story involving uh, David Babington he's got his own Instagram, he's blogger he's known as material boy posted a lovely story online this is rewinding uh, at least 20 years and he joins me by phone dave good morning good morning neil how are you i'm fantastic and sarah horgan's writing about you in the uh, in the paper this morning but what's the backstory were you were you living in town at the time or what was going on
11: Yeah, so basically what happened, this story goes back for me um, uh, two decades, 20 years ago. So one evening I was meeting a friend outside Brown Thomas and um, at the corner of my eye, I noticed a shiny gold uh, bracelet on the ground. Uh, I picked it up and on the front of the bracelet is engraved Phil and on the inside is engraved William, the 21st of the 3rd, 1982 which would make the bracelet now uh, 40 years old.
1: So it was 20 years old when you found it. So it had been on her wrist for over 20 years.
11: Exactly, exactly so around the time when I found it I realised with that date that would have major sentimentality to somebody and a story behind it so I knew that I had to do something about it and at the time I remember um, putting an ad in the Echo I think it was the Pink Pages at the time right you're um, spot
1: on yeah
11: yeah yeah uh, many years ago (laughs) and I put an ad in that saying that I found it put the names I held back the date just to make sure but nobody ever came forward no one ever ever there was no connection never made with it. So I you know, I decided to keep it. I, I, I didn't want to dispose of it or give it to somebody else or have it re-engraved because it belonged to somebody. That Correct. Significant, you know.
1: And so you put it away in a drawer and you were 20 years opening closing the drawer, I suppose.
11: Absolutely. And in that time, i have moved four houses. So, you know, I'm in my forever home now in Dollar Rail, but just, um, I always kept it. I always kept it. So, a week ago, just over a week ago, I was going through a drawer again and there was the gold shiny bracelet <laughs> and I thought, oh my God, why have I never put it on social media? I have a following on Instagram, I posted on Instagram and Facebook, posted the photographs, a bit of a story, and I didn't hear anything for about 48 hours. At the time, I really probably didn't think I really would. Um, You know, I wasn't too optimistic with such a a space of time in between. And all of a sudden on Facebook, I received a message from a girl named Neof that said she believes that the bracelet is belonged to her grandmother, Phil, and her late grandfather, William. So we started chatting. In the midst of chatting, we discovered that around the time when I found the bracelet, not long after, I would have been doing Neve's mother as a client, Bernie. I worked from home and she became a client of mine. Are you a hairdresser, but Dave, is it? I was, yeah, yeah I'm a hairdresser by trade So I worked from home And Bernie would have been a client Who would have been Phil's uh, daughter-in-law so she would have been coming to my <laughs> God house God It's crazy she And would upstairs have been in the drawer was a family yes. member's bracelet And she would have been upstairs The room in my house to do the hair was upstairs And it would have been in the drawer Ah, that's even, freaky, isn't it? It's it's, cr- it's crazy And I even did the, the, the daughter, or the granddaughter, Neil's I would have cut her hair when she was a child as well so it's crazy that we were able to make the connection so before I knew it uh, myself and Bernie touched base we made a phone call we were able to um, the story was that uh, Phil would have had a family dinner in Scoozies and misplaced it after that and I was like I said very close to Scoozies by Brown Thomas so I would have picked it up wow. um, after the dinner So or maybe before the dinner I'm so not sure. d-
1: at some stage you guys must have reunited and reunited the bracelet did you?
11: Well, no, it's not happening. What's happening, um, it's going to be tomorrow. Phil has decided to remain anonymous. Um, you know, when this story went out, the social media response has been huge. People, the echo wanted photographs with her and all of the above. But she wants her in. She's a lady in her 80s. William has uh, passed away. God love him. He passed she away, was, yeah. She passed
1: away. And was there a reason why she... Was it a gift she got
11: from from women? Yeah, there is a reason behind the date. The date on the bracelet, they marked the occasion when she found out she was pregnant on her youngest daughter who would turn 40 this year. Oh, my God. It's just just incredible. So for me... How the years go by. Yeah, it's just incredible. For me to return a piece of her history that her husband gave to her, a piece of her past, she's not with her anymore, but for me to return something with that, that sentiment attached to it, with the memories... Is just magic. It's and we just... respect Phil's privacy
1: clearly, but she must be over the moon, is she?
11: She's a, yeah, she's so over the moon. And Bernie, I've been, been chatting with Bernie. She's so excited. We're going to meet myself, her and Bernie tomorrow. The, you know me privately, and I get to return the bracelet to her. And I'm for me, I'm I'm so excited to put a face to Phil. I haven't spoken to her myself, and just to kind of you know return the way I see it is, I've been minding this bracelet. For you to have, yeah, face. yeah, and
1: family <laughs> members in the house for in and out over the years, and never knowing. I think that's bizarre. and You know something yeah. that's that's not just a bracelet that people buy, you know, wear for a bit and shove in a drawer. This is f- important to the family. It marks an occasion in the family's mm-hmm. history.
11: And for the daughter that turns 40 this year, for it to maybe pass to her, she may have kids of her own, I'm not sure, but for it to be passed to them this bracelet it will come, story in their family forever. Uh, it's a lovely story. It will be passed down to generations. And I'm so honoured, I'm so proud, I'm so happy to play a part in that. And well like done. I said, yeah. It's just, I've looked after her for two decades, it needs to go back to its owner, I'm meeting her tomorrow, and I'm just, I'm I'm beaming. I think what's <laughs> a horrible time we're going through at the moment with COVID, COVID, COVID it's non-stop the hair uh, story like this where we're uplifted it's so important
1: are you a bit of a hoarder like are you a bit like me can't give rid of things too many trousers too many shoes drawers full <laughs> yeah. of junk well, yeah, don't but, know what's when in when it there.
11: comes to fashion I have major emotional connection to clothes but like I said you know I just I just I knew that I had to keep it I had to I had to keep it I don't know why but I did And Something
1: was telling media. you somewhere in your deep psyche that this was going to come right it may take 20 Absolutely. years Absolutely and
11: I think as well I've lost sentimental objects for pieces over the years I remember once a couple of years ago I lost a bloody Dolce Gabbana bracelet in a taxi and I had it for over a decade and I'm thinking there's some lady or man walking around carpet with my Dolce Gabbana bracelet I want it back it. I want my bracelet back but listen it's okay this isn't about me this isn't about having any kind of you know this isn't about self-gratification for me. This is about Putting a smile on Phil's face for returning this memory. You're an incredible Um, storyteller, Dave
1: Babington. Fair play to you. you. (laughs) Well done. Thank you so much. Great stuff. Thank you so much. Great story. Appreciate it. Have a great day. Cheers, pal. You too. Take care. care. We're all. I suppose we. I mean, I I don't know whether it's just me, but you know, drawers and drawers full of junk. You're thinking that someday that'll be useful. You have way too many pairs of shoes. I mean, I do recycle, or it's done behind my back. Way too many trousers. Way too many shirts. Stuff that goes way back decades. You wouldn't be seen dead in. But all that's going to change because I was telling you all about the stories regarding the slide robes at Christmas time. The slide robes have been measured up now and they're being prepared already, I think, in a factory on the north side and they're going to be in. And that's my challenge then when the when the old pine wardrobes come out and the slide robes go in. That's the time to get rid of everything in my life that I don't need or will never use, and you hold on to for all sorts of silly reasons. Oh, actually, can you know we're talking about stories on Lee side and over to Christmas time. I just want to give a big shout out to a company on the south side who are doing incredible work. Company is called Lish. It's a restaurant, it's a takeaway, and it's a bakery, and it's very popular and very busy. And they're down on the Dusko Industrial Estate on the South Douglas Road. Jonathan and Patrick are the owners there, and they got great staff, Um, and they've been doing really great business. Not just sit down and take out, uh, but the cakes. A buddy of mine, a buddy of mine, Jordan actually brought me. There's one cake that I love in the world, and I'm not interested in any other ones, and that is the Millie Philly. And I've had an awful lot of them in the course of my life, birthday after birthday after birthday. But for Christmas, he brought me down a Lish Millie Philly. Now I know I'm pronouncing it wrong. It's probably Muel Feel or something. It's French, but you know the name, Tom. But it's the pastry and the cream and the jam and the icing. It is definitely. The best milly filly I have ever eaten. It's big. It's in a rectangular shape, but my God, it is freshly baked, and it just is. Gorgeous. So, I want to give a big shout out to everybody at Lish. Uh, continued success in 2022.
0: The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. You betcha, and you can text
1: 086 104 106. With regards to deliveries, drivers eating your food can't come on air or anything like that, but I'm actually in a line of work that uses these delivery services. Um, this can be the norm. I've caught many drivers doing mul- doing this multiple times eating people's food. I've had customers complain about it. It's a disgrace. Uh, Regarding deliveries, I live on a street and there are three house numbers the same as mine. I ordered something in the post and gave my postcode and yet the courier went to the wrong address. Taxis, takeaways, always arriving at the wrong address. It is a total head wreck, says Anthony. Uh, A lot of people are also talking about, um, unfortunately, because delivery drivers are so up to 90, if you're not answering the door these days, they're leaving it outside. You want to be aware of that. Uh, because it could lead to problems if somebody snaffles or thieves it. Uh, And then why do things taste differently? Somebody was suggesting Tanora and other ones like that. It's because of the sugar tax. When that came in, all soft drinks companies changed the formula to their sweeteners to avoid tax. This is also why we have loads of zero-free drinks, calorie-free, sugar-free. Much like crisps, burger bites, and Mighty Munch, the flavors are long gone from them. Somebody else said the Tanora tastes different because Tony Hoolan snuck the COVID vaccine into it. But anyway, don't put anything beyond it. Lines open. You can pick up the phone and get in touch with us. Our new phone number: oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. I gotta ask you: What do you think would happen if you had a girl uh, from Toker going on a first date with a boy from Whitegate? Well, that's exactly what happened on first dates.
10: Is it your first date, or?
12: First date ever? Yeah. No, I've been
10: on like three or four. Mm. It's my first ever date. Sitting down with a one-to-one with a woman and having the crack. It will really be my first time.
8: We watched a few. if you were just talking about the conversation and I'd sitting there. I'd
12: be like, I'd like, slap that spoon off her.
13: <laughs> I agree, you do. I agree for me, girl, yeah. I
12: know,
13: yeah. Where are you from? Where are you from? I'm from Cork. Where are you from? I'm well known Latin Village, definitely.
12: Are you more of a starter or a desert person?
13: I love a man and a sort.
12: A man and a sort. Would you
13: like that as well? If you want a starter? No, to start
12: with, no, no, but if you we'll want to starter as a man, i would have that as well. Grian, no
13: bother. I can't even see. I don't know, I You don't huh? have to tick. You don't have to tick like that, like, you know.
12: She can't understand you. <laughs> <laughs> do you know do you know what the thing is I'm such an awkward turtle like I'm like a tom. I can't flirt I'm like a tom when I try to flirt a what? a tom. do you want like a like a (laughs) tom.
1: Emma good morning (laughs)
12: good morning Neil how are you?
1: (laughs) so the waiter's watching it and the waitress is standing there she speaks English as well incidentally but you couldn't understand the two of you
12: (laughs) Nah, she didn't have a word we were saying. She didn't have a clue, like.
1: <laughs> and they were saying on social media that your part of first dates needed subtitles.
12: <laughs> oh, I know. I didn't realise how fast I spoke. Like, I def- I couldn't understand myself. Like, so I can imagine what other people were like. <laughs> yeah, but you can understand
1: each other. They say that about us carconians. We speak a totally different lingo and we speak it too quickly.
12: <laughs> yeah, we do. But, like, at the start, I couldn't understand him. Like, so I was kind of just nodding and being like, yeah, yeah. But, like, kind of after Why well, then I was grand
1: like. Emma he's the soundest fool in the world why didn't it work out
12: I don't know I think we were kind of just very similar like and we kind of knew straight away that like it was amazing like we're both mad like so I think I don't
1: think it worked uh, he was great crack and so were you you stole the show so far apparently
12: <laughs> I don't know about that but it's been yeah it's been crazy the last few days
1: Who did you watch it at home with all your buddies and family and friends or what
12: uh, yeah, I watched a hunt with my family and my cousins. I had to have a bottle of wine, though, York, I'm like, I thought we were doing that, like, was over, oh no
1: time. God. You didn't go into that Chinese after the episode, as he suggested, <laughs> no?
12: No, he didn't, no. What, no. Did
1: you, what did you do? Did you go anywhere at all?
12: No, so at the time, it was, restrictions. I think they were like 10 o'clock, so it was recorded like last July. So. I
1: know. I see the two of you um, walking down the alleyway six feet apart.
12: Yeah, yeah I could barely walk on my shoes. I was crippled.
1: <laughs> Why did you go into first dates?
12: I don't know, Neil. I haven't got a clue. This is a laugh, I suppose, really. But
1: we're so glad you did. You just decided to give... I mean, were you unlucky in love or what was the story?
12: Probably like, I'm kind of unlucky anyway, but who <laughs> wasn't. Do you know what I mean? These days... But, um, no, it was was an experience, like, you know, it was grand.
1: And I heard so little birdie told me you're bailing out on us. You're going to Australia now, is it?
12: Well, that's the hope. I wanted to go before the pandemic, um, but then I actually went back to college and was studying childcare, so now I'm in childcare. So maybe next year, yeah, hopefully. (laughs)
1: Have you applied for the visa and everything?
12: Um, I'm kind of looking at different options, you know, just for, like, qualifications and where I'd get. (laughs) <laughs> where you get more money it's all about the
1: money I know well you got to survive have you friends down there that you could ho- hook up with nah I've no but well, I
12: moved away before and I moved by myself So would,
1: I think your personality like, and your character <laughs> that wouldn't bother you in any way shape or form nah like
12: I'd go anywhere by myself I don't
1: care <laughs> let me have let me have another clip for anybody who hasn't seen it yet uh, I think this is more engagement with with obviously uh, with uh, the good man himself but also I think the waitress as well hang on
12: what made you play for first days your friends play, you do play I don't do know
0: was after a
8: feast of cans, alright, was so warm, alright. And, uh... I was on, I was on. was What's it? Right, you played after drink. I played after drink. And we ended up with two car people. I a I
12: I'm good. Masks, match me Mel. I know. We're finish up. I know. Weak for your mask then, matching your uniform. Huh? Weak.
13: Weak. Weak. That's it a gnarly thing. That's a gnarly thing. i not week. a
12: gnarly thing. <laughs> we're from the south side. <laughs> I feel like I'm oh, like, basically, oh, I love it. Weak for you. Love that then. Weak for you. Oh, that's good. I'm going to start, start using for that. bring that Dublin now. Yeah You're clearly from Dublin though No I'm Clare yeah.
1: A Clare girl Never heard the term Weak for you Emma I know,
12: Emma. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> and I didn't even know That I said it myself Because like It was so long ago Like I can't remember yesterday like, I know And Scott And Scott I was, I was so And Scott thinks, and Scott,
1: Scott thinks The toker's on the north side He doesn't go up to Cork I much know. Does he To be fair though I
12: thought Whitegate was on the north
6: side <laughs> I <you> didn't know <laughs>
1: where You didn't know where it was I was like That sounds lovely I didn't know where it was You said it was near Mayfield <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like, I'm it? I was like, I didn't!" I'm a talking about it. Oh panic. my god! Do you know the clip that I thought was very funny? You have a problem with pronouncing particular words, don't you? Leave it
12: off, Nick. <laughs> I can't.
1: I can't leave it off. It's just too good. <laughs> I, I want to find out if there are other ones besides this word. Have a listen. Do
12: you cycle? No. I can't say the word. Do you know the thing you wear in your head? I can't say that word. So the thing you wear in your head. I can't say it, I can't pronounce that.
11: A helmet? Yeah. Pronounce it? Hemlis. No, Client. anyone to Mark mocked
12: me. Go No! Must have a pepper pig, Hemlis? Oh my god, go away. Oh, what?
8: <laughs> a helmet?
12: Hemlis? <laughs> you can't
8: okay be saying that.
12: What if I was dyslexic now and you didn't know?
8: I'd laugh. <laughs> I'm actually dyslexic. <laughs> I know! so Emma
1: what is the thing you wear in your head when you're cycling
12: <laughs> a hemlock <laughs> I can't pronounce that's lousy now I can't pronounce it like
1: what do you think I'm not being lousy you put it out there on national television <laughs>
12: I know but like I was after a few I'm sober now
1: <laughs> so can you say it now
12: no I can't unfortunately <laughs> but I think it's the only word I can't say
1: I tell you that, what I've got to come time. up with a prize maybe between now and the end of the week for people who can't pronounce specific words like hemlet <laughs> yeah like, yeah,
12: that's the only one I have a friend though that can't say magazine like, you know, like magazine or she says magazine
1: but I said not the only one you know what I mean <laughs> stop I'm going to have a heart attack do you ever come across people who can't say the word specific they say pacific instead yeah
12: actually I know a few
1: people like that but I'm actually okay on that front now Neil I'm fine there okay guys text other words text 0868104106 I think you guys were perfect for each other it was huge chemistry there great banter oh for god's sake (laughs)
12: <laughs> well, it just says friends, like, we get <laughs> angry, doesn't
1: it? Is, is it true that it's a lot of the time, I don't know what the right term is now anymore when they talk about trying to set, do, you, do your friends try and set you up? I think it's like friend zone. Is that the term they use now?
12: My friends have given up on me, I do. Really? I'm a lost because and only like 26, I'm pushing on, like.
1: <laughs> You're not a lost cause at 26. <laughs> and listen, if nothing else fails, there's an Aussie man waiting for you.
12: Uh, you never know hopefully at least he'll have an accent at least he won't be a cock <laughs> anyway I'm <laughs>
1: <Am I> joking <laughs> I love the fact you know I just love the fact that people can't understand us I think it's a fantastic thing <laughs> I
12: know
1: I think it's great get away with Marjorie I know well listen good luck to you anyway have a great 2022 whatever you decide to do you made everybody smile we're very proud of you <laughs> Oh, much All right, girl. Take care, Emma.
12: Thanks. Man. Cheers.
1: The great Emma Newman uh, from Toker. And regards as well to Scott. I have no idea what he's up to, but you never know. We might touch base. We might uh, have an opportunity to chat in the coming days. I think First Dates is great fun and it's just extra great fun when Leeside is represented. And when I say Side, I'm talking about the entire county, lads. Anyway, anybody else with word issues, a bit like, you know, if you could keep up with the rapid fire episode that was First Dates with Emma, and Scott, other words like that. Her word happens to be hemlet. Text 0868104106. There's plenty of them out there. I'm not talking about spelling now. I'm talking about pronunciation, right?
0: Calling Red FM Studio? Call the new number 0818104106. See one come in
1: already and this is a real Cork thing where Cork people don't say hospital. They say hostable. Hostable. You need to go to hostable. And other ones then, I'm sure, will spring to mind. Uh, Just a few texts ahead of some more calls. I don't know how this prevalent this is. Some fella says um, that he had his NCT test cancelled this week. Uh, My test was cancelled for this coming Wednesday due to operational reasons. They gave me another available date in Cork for the 4th of March. So I rang them and asked would I be given an extension until the test date. And I was told that I wouldn't be given an exemption or an extension and that if I was stopped by the Gardaí, it will be at the guard's discretion uh, to whether or not they would take my car from me or not. Just wondering if anybody else has issues previously with this. Cancelled NCT, lads. They call it operational reasons. I think one of the things you could do with that is just print off the cancellation from the NCT. You know when the, the print off that you can get with where they said to you it's been pushed back to the 4th of March? And if you're stopped by the guard at a checkpoint, show them that. I'm sure a bit of common sense and the guards will let you carry on. And then there's lots then with regards to uh, the carry-on down in Australia, so appreciate all of those. But with regards to leaving certs um, and the leaving certificate, Anne says they should get the option of sitting the exam or taking predictive grades, same as last year's students. June says, give him an option. I have a daughter sitting exams and she is constantly sick with anxiety. Chili says, let him sit the exams. Predictive grades are not good. It's like giving participation trophies. Do the real thing. Um, John Maher calls for a hybrid model for students who, after two years and ups and downs, are expected to sit the Leaving Cert exam, So he's in favor of a blended one, which would be predicted, um, graded. And if you want to sit all or some of the exams, you could do that as well. and and marie says, definitely should be allowed predictive grades barely any time in school and even less now. It's crazy putting this pressure on them. And exactly like last year, the poor students would be left in limbo to the bitter end. Bronwyn says they should be given a choice, same as last year. Uh, They had a a lot to deal with as well. And just one or two more, it should be the same as last year. They've had a tough few years, says Sharon, give them a break. And Killian says there is no uncertainty. They've been told since September that the Leaving Cert is going ahead. They've been told what changes have been made. They're looking for an easy out. That's all. They need to knuckle down now and assume that the exam is going ahead as normal. If the WHO predictions that this pandemic will begin to peter out in March... There's no doubt the full Leaving Cert will go ahead as normal. Uh, And then one student says, all we want is options. Most of our teachers are out and it's worrying being in school with all of these COVID cases. Predicted grades are a necessary safety net. We need to finish out our final year of school. Uh, It's interesting that you're saying that most of the teachers are out. So, who's teaching the classes? Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Okay, back to uh, our Cork stories because people do love them, and I reminisce from time to time on different companies that were on Lee side, and we did a lot with regards to Sunbeam over the last couple of days. But originally, if you wind the clock back far enough, of course, the Dwyer family started as Dwyers on Washington Street. Uh, Dave Dowling, Dave, good morning.
13: Good morning, Neil. Good morning. And, and you worked
1: there? Are we talking about the sixties? Was it?
13: No, I, I'm just looking at a CV here now and it's actually <laughs> June 73 to, to August 75. I was made redundant then in 75. All
1: right, well, I can ask you what happened in 75. But before that, where were you?
13: I was at school. I was in college. I so, was in tech, we say. So out of the was, tech and my, into the Exactly. It was my first job. Uh, it was on the exam. I applied for it and uh, I went in for the interview. Actually, the, the two men that interviewed was a man called Tony McCarthy. He was our HR man and then there was the Mick O'Dwyer, he was the uh, the kind of the manager for it. but I don't think he was any relation to the Dwyer.
1: Yeah, he was an O'Dwyer, they were a Dwyer.
13: What did Dwyers do? Basically, they, uh, they were like Musgraves today, they were like big wholesalers. Uh, they sold everything from as we said ongoing, from an eagle to an anchor they oh, had it alright right. Yeah. didn't make anything so they just sold things was it well no they made it as well you had all the different sections yeah. you had the lee boot yeah. you had the short section you had the sunbeam then but they were all, they were all intertwined you see but yeah. they, where I worked was the uh, hardware department in Hanover Street because I
1: know they made as you say shoes and boots and gloves and scarves and hats and stuff like that didn't they
13: the day. you know they made every, everything like we we used to sell them then and distribute them all over ireland as such
1: it's like the like, amazon of its day or the online of its day
13: oh i'd say you so like an example was that like in cork where I, where I would deal with we would have every all the top shops you'd have done stores roger stores i remember now the buyer from done stores uh she was a young girl like and they'd all come in every so often Uh, The the man who was in charge of me was a a guy called Michael Harrington, a Torah gentleman from Castledown Bear. He was our buyer, and then they'd deal with him, and uh, they'd buy everything in in the sense that where Dunn Stores was concerned. Now, she'd she'd ask uh, what new lines are are in, and uh, like there was bowls now from Taiwan. They were kind of little timber bowls, we call them. But they, they just came in then, and she bought the stock. So nobody else then would happen. So gotcha, a, yeah.
1: Exclusively to like Dunn's, exclusive yeah. To dons so when dons, the likes yeah. of that young woman came in, they were treated
13: like God, like they were treated well, they with watched, kid gloves. Were well, they watched God, I'd God wouldn't be treated as, as much as
1: them. Yeah, and, and what, like, when we're talking about Dwyer's in its heyday, because I've seen some of the old video footage going way back before your time, and it just uh, looks like hundreds and hundreds, including young boys and girls working in there.
13: Oh, yeah. Very, yeah, yeah, i say very much so. Like, uh, I have a list of the guys here now that walked with me in in the hardware section, Uh, you know, and it was, uh, you know, it was, for me me, now it was fantastic to walk there, I'll be honest with you, it was was a great place to walk, and as you said, they they really treated us well, you And they
1: didn't deal with the public, it was wholesale or trade, but there was a fella came in off the street once, was he from Kilcully or something?
13: There was indeed a, uh, would uh, you get the odd fellow would come in, try, like, try to buy some, but um, I, I remember one, like, one day I was in there and I used to kind of, I, I was the, the, the new boy, so I used to get all the walk to do as such. We had the old experience, fellas, when a customer would come in, they'd uh, run away, run away down through the fixtures and hide in the customers and, uh, they I, I, I would be asking. It's away, that's like, not what you're you know? supposed to do. Like. it was a bit of crack, it was a bit of crack. But like the customer would come up to us. I know that's walking there, and he'd say, uh, "Are you walking here?" He said, "No, I'm a customer." <laughs> you know, <laughs> they weren't they weren't on commission then. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, cause, cause the the travellers were on the commission. Uh, but uh, as I said that day, now, the Michael Harrington uh, came up to me, and he, he had this man gentleman with him, and he said to me, "Will I look after him and show him what's selling and what's not selling?" Uh, and take him around basically, and uh, I took him around and showed him all the different things. I said, "Look, bats and where and everything." But it, I tell you, he spent a large amount of money. I won't say over what he spent, but, he but spent it, I mean, it uh, said it said in the text a couple of thousand pounds. He spent, I pay two thousand, I reckon, in nineteen seventy three or four. No, nineteen seventy three,
1: yeah. I mean, that's an, like what were the wages a week
13: then? Uh, what are our wages? <laughs> had no, I couldn't Three say. Three or four pounds, I'd say, was it? maybe? Yeah. But, uh, but that's the, the so point.
1: I mean, I mean, not, what am I talking about? Did, like, we, like, would you be on 70, 60, 70 pounds a week?
13: I suppose so, yeah. yeah. Around that, that would probably be it. I have, I don't have it. I used to keep old pay slips. i mean, something like yourself, a bit of a hoarder, and I used to have all these things. But you uh, really
1: have pay slips going back to 1981.
13: It's stupid, isn't it? It's not really, it's not nostalgic. It's oh, not the print is no.
1: fading and everything, you can hardly read them, 1981. But <laughs> your, man, your man spent two your grand
13: in the day. I, I think it was two grand was the figure, but the, the story was that the following day, every Friday, the staff were allowed what we call go around the house, that's the main building across from the city hall. But it'd go around any part of the you had the hardware, you had the toy section, and uh, we were allowed then to go around and buy stuff for Wholesale price, like staff price, we say gotcha. basically. Yeah. But uh, I was over in, in the house and uh, I said this, this chap inside, and the cash office called me, and he said that that gentleman you were with there yesterday, he left that he left that there. For you. It was a brown envelope. now. It, was, it had nothing to do with any political party <laughs> at the time. But when I opened, there was, there was a twenty pound note inside in that. Now going back, I said that's like a hundred euro today. Ah man, it's a lot more yeah, than maybe that. Maybe more, maybe more. It's yeah. about
1: three, it's about four, maybe three, yeah. four hundred. Yeah, you know. So it just, uh, but because uh, somebody said that was three weeks' wages. Oh, for I some it would
13: be. Mother of God! Mm-hmm. But I, like another. Oh, well, did, did you get
1: that, to keep that tip for yourself?
13: Oh, I did. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it was from when I I looked after. I mean, I was a couple of hours with him, and I was basically telling him. That these things won't sell, but these things could will. There are like basically everything that was good, good for us that we were selling. I was showing him the, those things.
1: Oh my God, Almighty! Oh. He he was minted,
13: and uh, like uh,
1: I know, I'm overly prying on on this guy's story. But was he? Uh, did I read somewhere that he was um, a horse dealer from Kilcully, Was it?
13: Well, all I know is that he was a horse dealer, and his name was Kylie. That's Get all I know I put, What I put an incredibly two, generous thing to do! Put, oh, Without a doubt, without a doubt. I mean, I was shocked you know <laughs> I mean you you, get, you might get a couple of pub bob off or something but in <laughs> saying that Neil, Neil uh, I used, I, used to, I started to work very young I was a, a milkman a uh, milk boy I suppose uh, kind of from 10 years of age and I remember one of my customers was Tom Barry inside the hurdle. Uh, Tom Barry inside the Grand Parade oh for God's sake uh, right yeah. I used to have to go up, go up the stairs 10 years of age and give three knocks on the door and say the milkman that was the and, password? I don't know. But I was just, that's uh, the instructions I got. was give three knocks and said, no now friends right off and said that if I gave two knocks, I could have probably been shot. And <laughs> so,
1: so Colonel T- Tom Barry lived at the top of what would now be the corner, was Woodford Bourne's, right? Yeah, then correct, it became Mandy's right. and now it's M- yeah, McDonald's on there, Dawn right. Square. So, and he, because I was up there he was dead at the you know long dead right, at that stage okay. but, but it's it's a windy windy beautiful stairway right up to his flat
13: so, yeah, that's true I used to carry bottles, glass bottles at that time up there, up there. And so it was his wife basically I used to deal with she was uh, involved in this. Was it the St. John's Ambulance she
1: and of course a, you had no idea who he was or anything then I suppose oh, I had
13: no idea whatsoever not a clue not a clue he was just <laughs> a kid. It was just a customer to me. That's amazing.
1: And you, I suppose, being in the city in the 70s, the lads were telling me that you would have had fond memories of the likes of Andy Gaw, for instance, or yeah, Holy Joe.
13: People, I go on there, you talk about the £20 note. That's the reason why I'm coming around to that. Across the road, up over Murray's, the clothes shop near the capital, there was a, a lady lived up over Murray's, and she was another customer. And you'd have to ring to come. No, I'm talking the 60s here, now you press an intercom and you tell the milkman, she'd open the door for you and you go up to her and I used to carry the milk up to her. But I'm just saying the fact that having an intercom in the 60s, but that lady, every Christmas, that lady would give me a tension in those. A lot of money The, the arms tension in those she lived but alone
1: I, up there? Did she have a family up there? What was the story? Well,
13: she would have been with her family, I'd say. Uh, they, they probably lived up over, the, some of them lived up over the shops on Patrick Street. And
1: I suppose and up to the 60s and early 70s, there was a lot more people living upstairs in the city, but not so much anymore now. Not, I don't know of anyone on, on Patrick Street anymore,
13: do you? Yeah, I don't really, yeah. but uh, like we used to have one or two other lads would walk with us, and they'd walk their... Uh, Around Christmas time, they got to these customers. But in fairness, she used to always keep it for me the following week, you know, that kind of way. She wouldn't give it to anybody else. She used to give <laughs> it to She was loyal. Kids. Yeah, yeah. Loyal yeah. is the word. That's the word. Yeah. Amazing stories. Yeah. Amazing. But That's as you brilliant. say about the characters around Cork uh, City, actually, Rocky stored, no, I know Rocky stored well because I used to walk with Joyce Cabs, Carl Joyce. Yeah. And I, used to pick, I used to pick up Rocky and take him to his different. gigs uh, Gigs at night, but uh, he, he. I think somebody said he wrote a book about the character of the car.
1: He's written a few books actually. One of one of his super books is the Dockers book.
13: Right, right. And like Rocky is talented. And he wrote another great book on Spangle Hill. Yeah. Right, talented in the war, like this guy, guy was a genius. He is a genius. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I used to have some some crack like driving him. You just you just enjoy driving him no matter where he was. Wonderful, wonderful guy, driving. yeah.
1: And oh, I don't know Did you know his mother before way back in the early days of radio, I knew his mother. She was a she was a great character, Maura McCarthy, I think was her name. Right. Super and,
13: cork woman on the north side. Well, uh, as I say, Andy Gore was you known. He was one of the characters of Cork. Like he'd go around, and he—I would not say—he probably handing the parents would give him a couple of bob, and then he'd give it to the children. That's the way. That's, that's the way what he the did. Yeah,
1: he, he always kept a few bob for himself, but he always had pennies for the kids. You see, well, so I he, had a nice you know, little arrangement going on. The parents would give him some, and he would give some back to yeah. other kids. Then it was a
13: great little deal he had going. Right, on. but I used to work in the oil campus, and we used to get the bus down in the morning, and we'd be kind of start Valley hand, half seven, we well, said seven o'clock, maybe down for eight o'clock. But we used to go up to Fartnery then around the city up the north side of Farnry, and Andy guard would be at the bus stop up just top of Farnery and Tom the bus driver would always pull in and uh, he'd get on to be a company bus, like the old carpet bus and take it down to town and he'd get off then kind of done with the railway ah, I love that. That's such a lovely you thing know? too.
1: So a lot of the people who were living in the city worked in your carpets in his heyday when there would have been thousands oh, yeah. working there and they laid on
13: buses to bring them to work and back again. They did indeed, yeah. Well, we of we done tree shift. It was a tree shift operation. So, you know, there was buses up and down all the time. So That's You had the same two drivers in. So, everybody knew, you know what I'm saying? That's the, right, yeah.
1: I mean, it was right, in a so huge well. employer, Your Carpets. Again, everything changed with the EU, and then all sorts of different things came along. And you said in 75 then there were redundancies in Dwyer's. Was business starting to wane then, or something?
13: Yeah, uh, well, it, well, before you got your Carpets, in the sense that we were doing the three shifts operation, and we had one guy down at one time you used to do two shifts, and uh, they asked him to come up and do a three shift operation. And he said that he'd walk twenty-four hours a day before he knew the shift. <laughs> 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 talk,
0: talk about classics. That is a classic.
13: Yeah, ever heard uh, it's just, as you say, it's just all you it is only in Cockwood's ears. But oh I he, was, God, he also man. had another one that his wife was in bed for a week with the doctor. <laughs> 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 oh, the car characters, yeah, but, boy. Uh, oh, my uh, God, I love 75, it. <laughs> 75, we were made redundant. But we it was t- like, I was suppose, upstairs, downstairs, <laughs> in the sense that I was a clerk and uh, a clerk, and you had the packing hall staff, you know, the different sections, we'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I remember we were offered £75 redundancy, is what I got. And, uh, I, I invested that then in shares, like. Did you? <laughs> and, uh, did I what? I'm a <laughs> millionaire. I'm a millionaire, saying, uh, <laughs> I like yourself. <laughs> you bought the right shares then. <laughs> I, I did. I, uh, <laughs> and, oh and, so it was amazing. It was like
1: the wires are a bit like the musgraves of today, if you like.
13: Oh very, oh yes, yes. And they, they used to supply all Ireland with 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 stuff. Like if I go anywhere now in Ireland I'd go to hardware shops and I'd mention the traveller's name and they all know him, do you, oh, you know what I'm saying? Amazing. Like I there was a uh, like the, the travelers oh, just for example, the the guys used to take in the orders. You had Cecil Coleman in Cork, he was the uh the guy who used to look after the go to store, uh, basically uh, every shop in Cork City. They were making the big money. It, whatever. What, we had a guy called Brendan Hurley. Poor Brendan passed away there in the last couple, couple of months. He's uh, from up around Montanati. Uh, but Brendan, was, he was really good, you know, at his yeah, job. And yeah. He was one of the younger men. Like. Yeah. But I called him Mick Noonan. Then we had Tony Walsh. Tony Walsh was from Montanati. And uh, Tony, like, he was... Like, uh, they cover all the different sectors: Tipperary great
1: so Yeah, I mean, a lot of the businesses back in the day had reps travelling. They were called travelling. My father was one for Cavendishes for for a while there, years and years right. ago. With you know, with furniture and bedding and carpets and bed sheets and pillows and linen and all, and they'd go to the four corners of the county, like up Boreens to farms and everything. People would have little account books going with them, so they 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 were in the marketplace.
13: Yeah. Right. They, you see, you had their own trucks then, they, like well, most they, 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 yeah. they had Perdix with their brand. And then the truck would follow
1: then some days later with the order. yeah,
13: With the order, oh, exactly. Amazing little and, network And, and, and just, you, you had another, there another, like, was Kevin Barry, he was t- another gentleman, like, and, 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 and there was a guy called Jack McCarthy, he used to do work with the T, Dwyer's tea. Yeah. Like most don't have the T today, but we used to have their own Dwyer's T and Jack McCarthy was the rep for that and you know that's amazing
1: great. it's great to reminisce and to mention all of those oh. comrades that you worked with through the that's years it. great stories Dave I could listen to you all day thank you so much
13: but yeah before I go I, I actually I'm an honorary member of a Sunday's World Swimming Club good man and I remember yourself and you're young as I as a blue that's right that's right yeah I can't I, I, can't, I don't know can you swim or not but I, I remember you can off out, out with me out and
1: Cool. He's a great man for a swim Swims in all it's weather great. Swims in the ocean And everything in the middle of winter For God's sake Stop
13: Well uh, what I, I remember about him Is that uh, We used to do a Tuesday Towards night But at, at the end of the night He'd be inside the dressing room And he'd have a big uh, A big load of young lads around him <laughs> And uh, Yourself be there we you, you tell him to hurry up And your man be there Boy he's proud Holding court Yeah And he acted on fire fire uh, well,
1: with regards to Luke, nothing's changed in that regard. He's like a magnet <laughs> to people. That. He's got a great personality. That. Listen,
13: no, it's a
1: pleasure. My pleasure. Thank
13: you, Dave. Lovely chatting and with that's you. That's what I was going to say. The pleasure was all yours. It's, <laughs> <laughs>
1: good luck. Good luck. <laughs> I don't know if I have time. I hope I have a bit of time for Agnes. What have I got? No, I have only about two and a half minutes. Agnes, would you mind if I picked up on the conversation in the morning? I don't mean to be rude.
2: <laughs> No problem, Neil. I was enjoying
1: this. Ah, Dave's a great guy. It's just you sent me some lovely photographs of the tops of the town that are down through the years and I want to do it justice. All right, girl? No
2: problem. No Chat
1: problem. in the morning. Take care for Talk to
0: now.
2: Tomorrow. Bye.
0: This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at NeilRedFM. 104 to 106, Red FM. Alright, we'll pick it all
1: up in the morning, particularly the things that I didn't get to. We have two 150 euro vouchers now for Satori Clinic, and they are based at Langford Row in the city. They have all sorts of different treatments there to make life better for you, including acupuncture, cupping, acupressure, things like that. Acupuncture is very good, ancient Chinese medicine based on uh, diagnosis through the body and using little pins and needles and what have you. So we've got uh, vouchers for that and lots more besides. They do a lot more than that. So 150 euro voucher for two callers. Callers 10 and 11. Artists and titles, please in the correct order. Have a listen.
0: Start spreading the news.
1: So I fall in love just a little a oh, little bit It's all about new, 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 new year, new you. Get dialing now on 0818 104 106. Brand new number, callers 10 and 11. Also, I've seen some very funny texts coming in. I'd be encouraging you to get in touch with Cork Mispronunciations. It also, it all started with Emma earlier on from First Dates not being able to say the word hemlet. <laughs> I've done it. Not being able to say the word helmet. Always comes out as helmet. She's helmet. hemlet She got me confused as well. Others include in Cork. Drown in Cork is usually pronounced drowned. He was drowned. Or died is another word in Cork that's mispronounced or changed. And I I like it. People don't say died. They say he died it. He died it. And of course, the joke then is did he die though? Did he die though? My dad can't say the following word Uh, swallow and follow. He says folly and swally. I swallowed a sweet. I folly Liverpool, bye. Uh, thanks for the last, Neil. I can't laugh, so I can't say Bovril. I can even remember walking into primary school, talking to myself, trying to say it, and it still wrecks my head. You don't tell me how it comes out, the word Bovril. Probably something along the lines of bar, Barville. Another one here is Alsatian is another one. It's not an Alsatian dog, it's an Alasatian. And my, uh, an Alstation is another way. Yeah. An Alstation dog. That's a big Alstation dog. And my husband can't say the word criminal. He says criminal instead. Ah, that's criminal, boy That's criminal. So keep those coming. Email neil at redfm.ie. Nicole Sherlock and Toker and Susan Watkins in Holly Hill. Correct. To identifying our three songs. They being Frank Sinatra, New York, New York. Hosiers, Someone New and In Excess New Sensation. We've got 150 euro vouchers for you guys for Satori. Clinic, and we'll do the same thing in the morning. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow.
5: Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.